Yeah, so if you were one of those people that told us, Andy Sweeney, Kevin Bowen, Mark Titan, we're not going to pay the $5.99, the $6.99 to watch Peacock. We're not going to be watching the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers. You might have been the smart person. You might have been the winner last night. Welcome in. Uh, it's the wake-up call, an ugly night of local college basketball. We'll dive into it. Indiana just disgusting on the road against Rutgers. Can't make a free throw. Turning the ball over. Xavier Johnson and toss from the game uh, in the second half. And then Purdue, they got it close, could not win a couple road losses and uh, a slow start for Purdue here in the Big Ten. And of course, the big news over the last, what, 20 hours or so, a grade one left hamstring for Tyrese Halliburton. We'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. Can the Pacers keep things going? That will be the discussion as we go here over the next month or so. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney, Mark Dighton, producing today's effort. Fellas, a good morning to you. How's everybody doing? When do we fit in Notre Dame's first road win in over a year? I thought that would be the lead. Mark Dighton, I thought you might have had an intro for (laughs) that. A montage? Yeah, nothing there? A Shrewsbury montage? Mike Bray and... Micah Shrewsbury catching up in Atlanta. Good for them. Uh, Pacers will see the Hawks coming up Friday night. Pacers (laughs) Wizards tonight. No wonder you had the Notre Dame hat on Uh today. I thought you might have been rubbing it in to uh, Purdue fans. No, no, no. I just want to make clear the state of Indiana wasn't all horrific last night. But, uh, boy, as you said, uh, be glad if you don't have Peacock because uh, you witnessed or avoided witnessing uh, two ugly ones. You know, Purdue, Andy, uh, last night, we think so much, so much back to the tournament losses, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, they got small guards, and they got a you know stretch five that can pull Edie you know away from the basket." The other end of the floor, they also turn into this like turnover machine at times in these losses at Northwestern. We saw you know a really big turnover number last night again, a really big turnover number. If you go back to St. Peter's, you go back to Fairleigh Dickinson, those games were largely played in the fifties and sixties. And you just couldn't get out of your own way in the half court. And I think that is the worrisome, again, exiting last night. Certainly Purdue has earned a lot of benefit of the doubt this season with what they've done against super quality teams. But in the two losses, it's been one glaring, glaring issue. And that has been the turnovers. And I think it it led to a lot of you know easy baskets for Nebraska. And obviously Nebraska just shot the hell out of it there. Uh, And then Indiana. I'm sorry. I'm sorry just to laugh at Indiana. Like which, but. <laughs> you know, which fundamental aspect you think is the most maddening? I've, I've said it before. Maddie Bowen me, can mother. go in the backyard right now, seven or eight free throws out of ten, no questions asked. Four of 15 from the foul line? I thought you made such a great point. It's like, yo, man, you said this after one of their losses earlier. You're like... Man, this is the state of Indiana. Forty nine be states, this bad in free throws. It's just basketball, <laughs> and they can't. I mean, it's not even close. It's not close. They had three or four air balls no, from behind close. the arc last night, and I think the other thing. Uh, first off, when Xavier Johnson got ejected, this is how bad he was playing. I thought to myself, that might be a good thing yeah, for was, Indiana the I rest of the night. I wasn't really too worried. Like To me, it's on my sheet here to analyze, but it's not one of the top few points on my sheet. No, I mean, uh, honestly, I was substitutions, like... Substitutions, free throws. There's a bunch of other things you can go to before you get to Xavier Johnson. That was bad Lance Stevenson last night. It was. Out he, of Xavier he went, Johnson. He went with the brush and the pull. Yeah, the that brush was and pull. somewhere Brad Davison and Grayson Allen are smiling at that effort there. Maybe Dylan Brooks as well by Xavier Johnson. Uh, then the other thing with Indiana, too, foul shooting, we're just accustomed to it. You know, it's just, 
That's been the norm. Uh, the turnover number, that's kind of been the norm. But Andy, you're, you start three dudes 6'8 or taller. You start four guys 6'5 or taller. Xavier Johnson's not some 5'8 point guard. They have to have one of the biggest starting lineups in all of college basketball, and they get pounded on the offensive glass. Absolutely dominated on that. It's not like Rutgers was throwing it Anywhere near the hoop. Back Rutgers to back just, games, yeah. Rutgers just threw it up there and, you know, hopefully it clangs in or if not, we'll <laughs> go and fetch the rebound. And they did that all night long. And again, Indiana, they just cannot squander opportunities. Rutgers stinks. No students in that building last night. Like that that's one you've got to get away from home. I know we get into this, you know, Big Ten road games, and I probably underestimated um, you know, what the environment can be like in Lincoln and how good of a team that Nebraska can be. But for Rutgers, no. You need that, and again, you don't have the cushion on the resume if you just want to compare Purdue to Indiana at all. Oh, I, I mean, Indiana doesn't have any resume. I, I, again, right. the whole the whole that's an, the whole uh, thing. That's that every, a much more accurate. Yeah, way no, to put the whole it. thing everyone's been saying about IU is, well, Xavier Johnson comes back, and you know, fill in the blank. Dot dot dot. Well, once Xavier Johnson is is back in the in, in you know the action, and you've seen him three games, and you've seen uh, you know a game where it took him to kind of get acclimated, but he didn't do anything, and then you saw a really good game against Ohio State, and then you saw last night him being tossed from the game and you know they're doing the review the, the the review of everything and I'm like why are they talking to Mike Woodson so much like oh they're kicking him out of the game but you know so often we have said outside of and then it's usually been wear and or renew the rest of the team's just not giving you much of anything and I mean you look at the last two games out rebounded by 33 and I, and I listen I know they beat Ohio State but even that's a symptom of a disease I mean, when you six, allow eight, that. six nine and seven one yeah. in the front court. I, listen, I, I know, and when you're not winning that battle, that's the battle you're supposed to win. Is the battle in the paint? And there have been games Hell, split even for all I, I care. I, there have been games they haven't done that. They don't shoot free throws. They don't shoot threes. They don't guard the three. And I mean, last night was a pathetic. I mean, it's it's pathetic, but it's also like I don't know. And this is how I feel with IU, and we can move on to much better things uh, today. But man, I, I just I don't. Like, to come on here and yell and scream about IU, like the IU fan knows this. They've been living this. Like, I don't need to do that. We have to show we're frustrated, but it's almost funny at times. Indiana, they go on the road, and I don't expect them. Well, tell that to the Peaksters. There ain't they, so they're so they're fired. They want me to do anything funny fi- about that. Fire and brimstone. Is that what IU fans want? Is I think for it's their good. team publicly just to be called a, a clown show, if you will? Let's talk in reality for for a second. Is there a college basketball program, and I ask this in all seriousness, because I, I don't know if there is, Andy, that has spent more on their program, school-wise, right. contracts, right. buyouts, facilities, NIL, how much money it costs to go to an Indiana basketball game, and gotten less out of their program I mean, in the no, last no, decade? No, 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 no. I mean, no, you go the last decade, absolutely not. So how I is mean, it not fire and brimstone? You know, I mean, like, that result and these results, plural, just cannot be acceptable when you're in year three of an era, and again, the state's back. Obviously, a decade eight's back. Several coaches. So, well, can um, I can I add one thing to that? This is one reason why you, know, you probably don't know this totally about me. I am not a 
Oh, and I listen, it just worked out for Michigan. So when I say this, you know, Michigan had to hire a Michigan man. We heard a lot of that, right? Before Harbaugh got there, you know, they tried different guys. It had to be a Michigan man. Indiana was obsessed with, especially after the debacle with Archie Miller, that, and the, the end of the Tom Crean era, that it had, tell me if I'm wrong, it had to be an Indiana guy. And there was an obsession with that. And I just don't understand that. Louisville did that with Kenny Payne. And now they're in a bad spot there. And you're you're entering, to me, uncomfortable conversation time with Mike Woodson. And it's not a guy like Archie Miller that you can pay to go away and make fun of and never talk about again. I mean, this is Mike freaking Woodson. <laughs> I mean, this sure. is, yeah. this is yeah. one of yours. And that's, that's, I guess, what makes this a sticky situation. Otherwise, it would be easy to come in here and say, wow, year three, you give the guy enough time, he's out of here. But, um, boy, and then you mentioned Purdue. It, it's so difficult with them because they've done so much and they have so many great wins. The last couple games with Edie, I will say, at least they made a run at it. Indiana never even got that close. Purdue did get that close, but uh, a slow Big Ten start for them. That, that's the way I would put it. A curious slow start for them in the Big Ten. Again, Indiana-Purdue coming up Tuesday. They each will have home games. You would hope, think they take care of business coming up this weekend. Indiana-Minnesota, Purdue, and Penn State before Tuesday night in Bloomington. Good news, certainly, on the Tyrese Halliburton front. You know, as we closed the show yesterday, we were waiting for that MRI that Rick Carlisle talked about. Um, I want to make sure that we're pretty specific on the language, though, Andy, because the Pacers did not label a grade in their press release. They did not label a timetable. Adrian Wojnarowski mm-hmm. did do that, and the wording from Woj was. Grade one hamstring, which again, when you look at the grades of hamstring injuries, that obviously is on the least severe. So that's great news. Uh, but the specific wording he used for a timetable was will be reevaluated right. in approximately two weeks. <laughs> so I, I, I just want to make sure that we like, you know, so it's uh, not two weeks. This it's does not days, all of a sudden mean, you know, 18 days, eight games, right. and he's back reevaluated in two weeks. Now, again, that is still. Great news compared to what a grade two hamstring injury would look like. What a grade three hamstring injury would look like. Uh, Eight games looks like this, Andy. Tonight against the Wizards, then six in a row on the road. That would be Hawks, Nuggets, Jazz, Kings, Trailblazers, and Suns. And then you'll play both games, actually, against the defending champs uh, in the Denver Nuggets here within this eight-game span. Uh, If you're Halliburton, you probably don't love missing the return game at Sacramento. Um But that's what the next two weeks looks like. If you want to stretch it out a little bit further, Andy, you've got a back-to-back coming up in just over two weeks, 76ers and Suns. That's a pretty attractive back-to-back. And then maybe the in-season tournament has changed this. But, Andy, in three weeks, you have the last national TV game of the year. That is Boston in Boston. That's a game that Hal Burton talked a lot about before the start of the season. Maybe the in-season tournament and being on the national stage so much changed kind of his opinion or desire, you know, maybe to to be in that game. Uh, but I, I do think that is one to circle there coming up at the end of January. Again, that is Boston on a Tuesday. Yeah, you look at that TNT game, and that's kind of what I did. I drew a line right around then. That's Tuesday, January 30th. So, so that, that would be, be three weeks, right? Yeah, so that would be 11 games missed. And I just kind of extrapolated it out. Could they go... Could they go in those 11 games 4 and 7? 
which would put them at what twenty five and twenty two with thirty five games left. I, I, I get. I think my fear would be if he goes much longer than that, and then we we creep into February. You know, it's the saying of, oh, you know how these hamstring injuries can be. And then you'd be looking at, okay, then you'd be 500. Then you, you know, do you creep under 500? And then making the postseason becomes such, such a battle, right? Potentially an uphill battle, definitely seeding. But, you know, it would be out the door unless you go on some sort of run. So it's good news. I mean, all of it's, let me go back. All of it's bad news because, you know, the way this team was playing and this was going to be a really curious for me stretch for them going on the road against some really good teams, teams that you might might not see more than just, you know, this time going to Sacramento, for instance, some different teams than the norm that what we've seen you know, thus far this season, kind of how they would look in those games going on the road uh, for a while. And boy, I think, you know, to me, it's easy. It starts tonight in uh, against Washington. You know, game bridge, you got to win that game, right? You got to feel good You're about yourself. you by seven and a half tonight. Uh, that's, that's a big spread. So, and, you know, I think this team is out to prove that they're better, they're deeper, they're more talented and together as a team than last year, and we're going to find out. But, you know, can they be sitting there with 33, 35, 37 games to go a few games over 500 for the final push? To me, to me, that would be best case scenario. I think I find myself saying both in that, Tyrese Halliburton is unquestionably, in my opinion, one of the most valuable players to his team in the league. But I do think this Pacers team is also better equipped to handle his loss. I mean, if you just want, and this is about the only, it is the only glass half full item in this situation here for the next couple of weeks, you will be a better defensive unit. I mean, sure. Andrew Nemhard, I assume, will be the starting point guard. So if you're looking at a Nemhard, Bruce Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner, that's probably your best five, honestly, on that end of the floor. Uh, that would leave TJ McConnell with the second unit, let TJ distribute to Buddy Heald and Benedict Matherin. I think that's a route that I would go. Obviously, you can ride the hot hands late in games. We saw Buddy and Matherin both close out the game the other night there. But all in all, I think it's the best news. Again, I do want to make sure that we're clear on kind of what the language was yesterday. We'll have Alex Golden coming up at 9 o'clock to talk more about this because I do think if you get into February and you haven't seen him yet, mm-hmm. you know what does that do to the trade deadline? And how do you attack that, at, if at all? Uh, because right now, again, it's a very jumbled Eastern Conference if you look at teams kind of in that four through eight range. Along with Alex Golden, Stephen Holder are going to join us at eight o'clock. Right after our show ended yesterday, you saw the update from the Colts in relation to Jim Ursay's health. Certainly uh, some thoughts with the Ursay family right now as Jim battles um, upper uh, severe upper respiratory. Was that the official mm-hmm. language, I believe? It was, From yes. the Colts in their press release. So um, I have not seen Jim Ursay at the last couple of Colts games. Um Boy, I, I can't recall many, if any times, I have not seen him at, particularly home games. Right. Um, so certainly uh, thinking about that. Uh, and Chris Boward will meet the media tomorrow. That's tomorrow uh, just after noon. Uh, that'll be his season-ending presser here uh, for the 2023 campaign. Yeah, just quickly on Jim Ursay, and it's good that Chris Ballard's talking. We knew that would happen. I, I was hoping it would be this week, so uh, happy that that's the case. You know, for me... 
on the Jim Ursay thing, we had a few people even on Twitter say, hey, where's Ursay been? And I don't know if they meant that as usually he's out there in the forefront when a team has a big game and a couple big moments or they were angry. Hey, we lost. Where's Jim Ursay? So I didn't know exactly which one uh, it was. I did find it curious. You just haven't seen much from him. And I know his Twitter account isn't always him. You can tell the ones that are him usually. And just that one tweet after the game, after the Houston loss was kind of curious to me. I think the Steelers game, Maybe it's the last time I've seen him. So I, I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe he was at one of these last three games, but I did not see him. Yeah. So you hope he's doing well, and uh, it's good. Chris Bowder will be speaking tomorrow. So on Friday we get to dissect all of that. So there we go. We will. Good, good Wednesday morning to you. A little spitting snow, sleet, rain. Nothing too too crazy, but certainly something was happening as I was driving in here on this Wednesday morning. So watch out for that. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy, right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, morning check down time. Quick reminder, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, will join us. Alex Golden will talk some Pacers coming up with him at 9 o'clock. Let's dive into the games. Last night, let's start with IU. Not good. Losers on the road, 66-57. Indiana drops to 11-5 on the season, just 3-2 and two in the Big Ten. Now, this, this clip, KB, has the question from, I believe, Rav Johns along with it. Nobody likes the way that Mike Woodson substitutes, and Mike Woodson did not like the question last Night. One of the biggest questions that fans were asking tonight on social media was why were four starters out at the same time versus sort of like maybe rolling them through. If, if I'm you not going to sit here and and answer that question when it comes to the fans or you. <laughs> I elected to go to my bench, which I've done this season, and I've gotten some good results here and there. And tonight, they didn't kill us, but... They let them back in the game. Mark, uh, Mark I thought you, we withstood it. Can you halt that right there, Mark? <laughs> they didn't kill us. Some good results here or there. Here they didn't there. kill us. They uh, didn't kill uh, us. Talk about no. great compliments for your bench well, right they, there. They couldn't kill you in the first half, but it was like, you know, it was like 16 9, 18 to 11, and then you're down yeah. three at half. Khalil Ware and the bench unit, <laughs> no, none, uh, none good at all, if that's proper English. 18 turnovers, 15 offensive rebounds allowed, and the cherry Ooh. on top. And it's one of those things where you see it and you have to look at it another 13 times to make sure your eyes are not deceiving you. Andy Sweeney, 4 of 15 from the foul line. Yeah, I can't believe that, man. 4 of 15 <laughs> just can't believe from it. the foul line. I think they just airballed another 3 as well. Indiana loses to Rutgers last night, 66-57. Purdue, a million turnovers in Lincoln. And again, Fred Hoiberg's bunch. Nice job on Zach Eady. Um, at times, certainly probably Purdue fans are hoping for an extra whistle or two, but like we saw last year in this matchup, they neutralized Eady enough early on. Purdue really, really struggled turning the basketball over. That is something we've seen in their March losses, something we've seen show up in both of their road losses this season as well. Nebraska shot it tremendously. Uh, Tomanaga, he is the state of Indiana killer. <laughs> Are they good? Can Notre Dame is avoid Nebraska him good? by all accounts? That, uh, well, you better hope so, yeah. He was incredible last night. Is Notre Dame good, though? Or oh, not Notre Dame, good God. Uh, Nebraska. Notre Dame is not good. Is Nebraska good? I think Nebraska's better than I thought. Yeah, they're yeah. not too bad. 
I mean, right now they look like like for sure like an they look like an NCAA tournament team Fletcher, at least. Fletcher Lawyer, Trey Kaufman, Wren, both bench coming out for the start of the second half last night. Purdue made a run, a couple of runs. Uh, they cut it to one there. What, what, I'm trying to think of late. Did they get it to three? Maybe. No, they got it to one like six, seven minutes to go. Yeah. By the way, Lawyer just seven of twenty six the last three games. Yeah, and he got a shooting slump last year in the Big Ten Conference. Certainly something to keep an eye on moving forward. Six days from tonight, or yeah, six days from today, we will get Indiana and. Purdue tonight, college basketball-wise, Butler, 10.5-point underdog at Marquette. That is a 9 o'clock tip. If Butler is going to be a tournament team, I think at some point, Andy, and they missed the opportunity Friday at home against UConn, they'll still play UConn again. Marquette tonight, Marquette at Hinkle later in the year. they got to get one of those three. Got to get one of those three if they want to have a legit tournament resume come March. Yeah, this this would be what? Four straight losses? On the Big East, yeah, would be right. Tonight. Providence, yeah. I mean, again, they're quality yeah, teams, yeah. but you had Providence beat. You didn't foul. Yes. They hit a three a couple weeks ago. St. You John's gave, pretty much yeah, controlled the you, game. You gave that game away, and then you had a lead. You had a chance against UConn at home Friday night atmosphere, and you lost get that game. To me, those are the two tonight. Marquette. What happened with St. John's? Uh, I don't know if I'm beating them up too much over that, but the Providence win was in the bag, and I know UConn's a better team, but you got to win. You got to win one of those games if you're going to make the tournament uh, tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It will be the Pacers still favored by seven and a half. That probably is an indication of the Washington Wizards six and twenty on the year. They've lost five straight, ten of twelve. Again, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton is this grade one hamstring strain. Uh, out approximately two weeks was the update from Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday. That would be eight games. It's pretty split. Four teams above 500, four teams under 500 uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, after that two weeks, Andy, they've got 12 games until the All-Star break. I don't want to get into that situation where you get like six or seven games out from the All-Star break and you're like, should we play them before the All-Star break? I know. Should we not? That, we that is a little worry I know. that I have about that. But still, I think it is good news considering the severity could have been whatever, grade two, grade three, hamstring injury, and among others, uh, you're going to have to rely on depth. And if you want to single out individuals, certainly Andrew Nemhard, TJ McConnell, Benedict Matherin, uh, those guys, whether, whether it's a facil- facilitating burden or a scoring burden, uh, they've got to do a lot of heavy lifting now. Give me one more swoosh here. Last one for me, Eric Spolster, eight-year deal. Did you see this in Miami? 120 mils. So Eric Spolstra going to be with the heat to the end. Not a surprise there. And then I know we're going to talk about this in the 8 o'clock hour. Hell, we can even ask Stephen Holder coming up at 8 o'clock. Mike Vrabel there dumped in Tennessee. He'll be, uh, he is now a free agent. We'll see where he gets picked up. And uh, you look at this coaching carousel with he and Bill Belichick. Not a bad start. Jim Harbaugh is going to be out there and is available. So three big names potentially out there. But Mike Vrabel, that news became official yesterday. You know, this gets into the awkward nature of, and it's wild to think that Tennessee extended John Robinson, their GM, and Mike Vrabel 23 months ago. Mm-hmm. After they were the one seed. Yeah. And now they're both like, and it's not like they had a three win season or, you know, what a major off the field, you know, issues or anything like that. Um, I think this is a win for the Colts. I, I think Vrabel's a good coach, really good coach. I'll be very curious to see if he does indeed end up in New England and what does that mean for Bill Belichick and kind of playing out that sort of domino situation. But again, Andy, this gets back to the you fire the GM, you hire the new GM, and now the coach is yeah. a lame duck. Yeah, I know. 
It just it's not the way you do business. Well, you fire the GM in the middle of the season because AJ Brown is tearing it up with the Eagles, right? And then you leave Mike Vrabel out there, and then you get rid of him. So then it's awkward. And, then it's like, wait, does Vrabel have more control? Is he safe? Wait, the new GM didn't technically hire him. How is he going to react to but that? But it's, it's great for the Colts. I mean, Vrabel's had success, obviously, against Indy until this season. And I think Vrabel is an above-average coach. I'm not calling him a great coach or a top 3-4 coach in the league, but he is a good coach, and I feel like he will go and get a better job than the Titans, and I feel like the Titans will not get as good of a coach as him. That's just my initial thought. And next year, the Titans will go in without Derrick Henry, with no wide receivers, with Will Levis on limited playing time, and a brand new coach. They're not going to be good next year. The only slight positive in all of this, I think, could be for Will Levis in that can you find him some sort of Shane Steichen type of head coach? Can you get a young offensive mind in there? The guy in Houston, the Slovak guy. That, that, okay, these two are going to be groomed together and, you know, because Levis needs work. I mean, I I don't think there's any denying that. So, you know, Vrabel, of course, more of a defensive-minded guy. They've had a lot of turnover at offensive coordinator, even under Vrabel. Um, so I think that has been, you know, just a, a slight issue for them over the years. All right. On the other side, again, we will continue to dive into what happened last night basketball-wise. Now, if you didn't have Peacock, consider that a blessing <laughs> in disguise. Uh, good news on the Tyrese Halliburton front. The Pacers also had a good whistle go their way yes, they late did. on Monday night. We'll share that from the NBA in their two-minute report. And what should the Colts do with Gardner Minshew Coming up next season, is it a slam dunk you bring him back? Would Gardner Minshew want to come back? He is among a list of pretty notable free agents for the Colts. We'll dive into that as well. Stephen Holder at 8, Alex Golden talking Pacers at 9. Good Wednesday morning to you. Thank you for spending that with us. Yeah, yeah. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Thanks for joining us. Hanging on the DriveHubler.com studios on this Wednesday. A little hump day edition of the show. KB and Andy, reminder, uh, reminder we got you until 10 o'clock. Stephen Holder going to join us coming up here at the top of the hour. We'll get back into the basketball discussion. Obviously, the big news with Tyrese Halliburton. We'll see here uh, in about two weeks exactly You know if, uh, if he's going to be back sooner rather than later. What do the Pacers need to do while he is out? We'll dive into all of that as we continue today. And then Indiana, just disgusting last night at Rutgers. Uh, Purdue falling on the road as well. Not good for them. A late night uh, on Peacock. I think it's fair to say disgusting for Purdue as well. You give up up 88. You got how many turnovers they have. Can I say Um, something about this? I do think Nebraska is a much better team, obviously, than than, than Rutgers. But my expectation for level of Purdue is much higher than it is for Indiana. Let me ask you this before we dive into the Minshew conversation. This is my problem. I find myself knowing, like, okay, Indiana, their issues and everything else with Purdue. And this is my first time following Purdue. Not watching, which I've been doing, but following Purdue. I find myself being easy on them. 
in well, a game like the, last night when I probably don't need to be just because they have six quad one wins already. Say, they've earned benefit of the <laughs> yeah, doubt. I mean, like, yeah, I they're going to be at, one seed. You know, I, I obviously laugh at you know people are like, well, are you going to rip Purdue as much as you ripped IU? <laughs> like, no. For the Nebraska loss, well, again, have you watched Purdue all season long? Have you yeah. watched Indiana all season long? They're two totally different grading scales yeah. with those two. But still, you know, again, exiting last night, if you look at what has ended Purdue season, it's been high turnover numbers. And if you look at the two losses this year with Nor- with Northwestern and with Nebraska, high turnovers. And Matt Painter said this before, Andy. It's almost like we just got to get out of our own way. Like if we just don't turn it over, A, Zach Eady's so efficient that that's going to lead to good offense. B, we rebound it well enough that if you don't turn it over, there's a chance that you go get your own right. You know, board. And then obviously, and last night they did shoot it great. I think they hit, what, 13-3, something like that. Um, so yeah, not good, uh, but obviously Purdue has plenty, plenty of reasons uh, to trust them more moving forward than Mike Woodson's. Yeah, they got it close. It was about the 13-14 minute mark. They got it close. They couldn't get over the hump. At about the 13 minute mark, I thought, ah, they'll win by seven, right? They'll, they'll just kind of, they'll come back and we'll say, well, it's a nice second half. They'll win by six or seven, uh, but that, that wasn't the case. Once they made it a two-point game, another run there from Nebraska, and the game was over. Uh, all right, let's switch gears real quick. Again, Stephen Holder at eight o'clock. Alex Golden, we'll talk some Pacers with him coming up at nine o'clock. One thing we're going to do, and obviously, the cold season, the end of the season, we'll get more ammo, if you will, uh, with Chris Ballard. What he says and doesn't say on it's Thursday, right? Tomorrow yep. he'll, he'll uh-huh. be meeting with the media. So Thursday and Friday, a bunch of sound of Chris Ballard will be here on the fan. You know, one thing for me, uh, you know, this season, whether you like him or not, whether he had good games and Saturday against Houston, not one of those games. I want to be clear, but Gardner Minshew, the Minshew conversation slash backup uh, quarterback situation, not only because, A, you saw so many quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks have to play this season in games that absolutely mattered, and B, you know, it's not unfair, it's not a hot take to just wonder about Anthony Richardson, not if he'll be ready with that shoulder injury, but, you know, will he be healthy all year? And so the backup quarterback conversation will be one that we've had. I want to play two clips if that's okay for you. The first one, clip seven here, Mark. This is just Shane Steichen on Monday was asked about Gardner Minshew. Have you talked to him about coming back next year about a contract for next season? I haven't talked to him, but what he did for us was tremendous. Uh, he stepped in and shoot, won us, what, eight, nine games, put us in the, you know, a couple plates away from hosting a playoff game. Um, so, Again, I'm, I was very, very grateful and thankful that he was here with this football team, for sure. Okay, so I know, listen, I, I think that's a fair take. I haven't talked to him about it, but hey, he helped us this season. We won the games and we're in the position we were in because of him. Rick Venturi, Colts Roundtable on Monday, talked about Gardner Minshew as well. Take a listen. My opinion has changed quite a bit. I thought that he was definitely a backup, that he was, I, I used to call him, as you know, thousand paper cut guys. Type, kind of a game manager. I think he's better than that. I think he's starter two. Personally, I don't think we would have won nine games. I, I, I always say it this way. We didn't win nine games with Minshew. We won nine games because of Minshew. He's, he's very good. He's very, very accurate, very smart. He pushed the ball better in the last five weeks than he did early. He's not great at that. I think he's a much, much better athlete than you think he is. He made so many plays on his feet, extension 
extension, either running or actually making throws downfield. We've seen some terrific plays that way in the last month. You know, the guy has leadership qualities. He has his own kind of a funny charisma, but it's there. And he has that selective amnesia. He's not a guy who's going to linger on a mistake. He keeps playing. He's not going to panic. Now, he may his value may have gone up so much that we can't afford him, but I'm not sure the way the NFL is going today. And you, I don't know how many backup quarterbacks. I think 18 got in or something. Is I think what you're going to see a trend is a much higher salary for a backup quarterback if he's good today. Yeah, I, I'm in the camp of bring Gardner Minshew back, Andy. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm all the way there with Rick Venturi on just the high, high praise for Minshew. I, I well, do I'm think, surprised by the high praise, quite frankly. And, and he's, you know, to be fair to 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 the coach, he said that all year long. I mean, he he's been a big, big Minshew guy. Um, the extension element to him. That is, that has been surprising to me. You know, I, I thought there were moments this year where he made some plays with his legs. I was like, wow, you know, those are those are huge, huge elements uh, that I didn't know was necessarily there with this game. But you know, when you look at teams that were around you in the playoff race, the teams we talked about th- the most, whether it was Houston, whether it was Cleveland, whether it was Pittsburgh, just look at those three, Andy. Cleveland had to have four different quarterbacks played this year. Four different quarterbacks won games for them this year. Pittsburgh, three different quarterbacks played. Houston, three different quarterbacks played. So there's almost just like a quantity of quarterbacks that you need. We we saw virtually every team utilize that, you know, dress of the third quarterback rule or, you know, really emphasize the need for a third quarterback this season. So I look at the Minshew situation and say this. In a perfect world, Anthony Richardson stays healthy. That's probably not reality. So if he misses a couple games, does he give you a coin flip opportunity to win football games? That's what you want out of your backup. I think that's a realistic expectation, hope, goal for your backup quarterback. And I think more so than many backups, he gives you a coin flip. And that's why I think you should look to bring him back. He's got prior history with Shane Steichen. He's got prior history with Anthony Richardson. Again, these two work out in Florida. They did before the draft. I think the expectation is they will again this offseason. Having said all of that, Two things. I still draft a quarterback on day three. I want Shane Steichen to identify a guy he likes with I traits. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, I round agree. five, round yep. six. You know, Sam Ellinger still under contract, but I'm kind of ready for a Steichen specific selection at quarterback. And then the other thing is this: Does Minshew want to be here? Does he look at Taylor Heineke in Atlanta, Jacoby Brissett in Washington, and say, "No, no, no, let me go find that opportunity"? Because more so than virtually any other stop in the NFL, the leash is incredibly long on Anthony Richardson. Like, Richardson is not getting benched at any time next season for poor play, or at least, you know, compare him to the rest of the QBs. Very, very unlikely. You're obviously going to roll with him because he's your franchise QB. Does Minshew look at that and say, guys, unless he gets hurt, I ain't playing here. So why don't I go find the Desmond Ritter, the Sam Howe, where it's a little bit more of an open competition. That would be the other question I have with uh, with Gardner. Well, you know the you know the most difficult thing about the backup quarterback uh, conversation is knowing every single backup quarterback and kind of what their contract situation is. In other words, who's going to be available and what kind of money? And then on top of it, you mentioned Heineke, and I do think I do think Heineke is probably the the example that you would use, would it not, with Minshew? Don't you feel like he and Minshew's games are kind of similar uh, to a certain extent? Yeah, can he go do that? And I don't know. I'm just, 
I'm looking down. I'm looking down the teams. I, I don't know. You know, Will Levis is there with the Titans. Ryan Tannehill is going to be gone. Malik Willis cannot play in the NFL. So you'd imagine they would bring in somebody who would be competent. I'm just looking at teams. I, I have absolutely no uh, no idea who, who would even want Minshew. The way I view next season, though, is there's long-term insurance uh, whether it's quarterbacks or you have insurance through your employer and there's short-term insurance. And this year, the Colts had to play the long-term deal with the, with what happened with Anthony Richardson. And you got to do it this past year and you were right there and making the playoffs. And if a few things at the end of that Texans game or maybe Pittman doesn't get injured against Pittsburgh and he does play against Atlanta, if the officials against Cleveland, like there's always these these yeah buts, these well, if this happened or if that happened, yeah, you know, you could have won the the AFC South. I don't I don't want to go through that again next year, Kevin. I, I don't. I, I want it to be where Anthony Richardson is playing so much football that the backup quarterback is used in short term. In, hey, a game here, week nine, he got roughed up. Week nine, he's got to play maybe back-to-back weeks. But my over-under is like one and a half or two and a half in games that I want to see well, a backup and, quarterback in next year. And the question then becomes, again, can you survive? Let, let, let's say it's three games just to play it out. Right. Can you go one and two or two and one? Right. Because, you know. We can with Minshew. You know that. CJ Stroud misses two games. Houston goes to Tennessee. It's not pretty. It's ugly with Case Keenum, but they win a game. Like that ultimately is, you know, again, Cleveland survived this. Pittsburgh shockingly survived with Kenny Pickett going down. And obviously it didn't work out immediately with going to Trubisky before settling on Mason Rudolph. A question I would throw your way again. I think you bring Minshew back. I think you draft another quarterback late day three. I would have a question if Minshew wants to be. I know he loves Shane Steichen, loves Shane Steichen, but still, he's a competitor. Playing time's not going to be here unless Richardson gets hurt. Does the priority for Minshew, do you bump that into the top tier? Because yeah. I, and feel free to disagree with my no, tiers. No, go ahead. Yeah. But how I look at this free agency class, again, very notable free agency class, detailed it on 1075thefan.com this morning in a in a story. Pittman is number one, in my opinion. Then on a two, three, four scale, it's some order of Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman, Grover Stewart. Does Minshew crack that group? Is backup quarterback that important? Is he that important? Boy, I tell you what, I hate saying it, but yeah. I mean, he's behind Pittman. Would you say that everywhere, or no, do you say that because no, of Anthony Richardson? No, I, I would say that simply because of Anthony Richardson. No. I, I, if, if Anthony Richardson had... If they won even seven games this season, let's say they weren't in it to the very, very end. They weren't until like the last month or so, uh, but they finished the season. It wasn't the heartbreak. You know, they weren't going to make the playoffs against Houston. Uh, to me, I- I'm fine with Minshew going. I trust Shane Steichen in free agency and in the draft, like you mentioned, to go get a backup quarterback for a few games. But, I mean, this was Gardner Minshew's team. I mean, he finished games that they needed him to win. He finished the tech, uh, the 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 Texans game. He started thirteen games. Yeah, he Seven started. Six. Yeah, but even the games he came in in relief. Right, you think right. of Tennessee. You think of Houston. I mean, he, he played well enough. He was ready to go. And I, I don't know. I think his value 
you know, we talked about it. What did we talk about where we said the value for this guy is more so on this team than, oh, than other teams? Was it Pittman? Yeah. yeah. To me, at a lesser extent, obviously, doesn't that fit with Minshew? And the problem with the discussion is if it's not Minshew, if he if you get priced out of Minshew or he wants to go elsewhere, both scenarios, by the way, completely understandable. If that happens in the offseason – you know, then we have to start talking about other backup quarterback names. And that's what, again, I go back to what I said, is so difficult knowing who, you know, who is going to be available, who is not going to be available. But for me, if you are saying, hey, we're not going to keep both secondary guys, when I'm talking about Moore and Blackman, then the secondary guy that you're not going to keep, to me, Minshew fits in right there below Pittman, Grover, and then uh, Moore or Blackman. He would probably be four on that list. I think it's a good point Anthony brings up because I think there's something to be said for Minshew being able to really extend his career by staying in Indy as well. He could get good money for the next few years here. Um, I think Minshew has earned the reputation around the league that I think he'll get pretty good money wherever he goes. Obviously here, Andy, it was really incentive-laden based off uh, you know how much playing time he got, and he got a ton of playing time uh, this season. I guess it's, how does he view it? I mean, he's 27 years old. He'll turn 28 this offseason. Obviously that's still young in, in quarterback age, but does he look at that and say, this is my opportunity to try and go? He's not starting here. He's not, I mean, period. So unless he says, you know, one-year deal, I, I this sounds weird, like Hope Richardson gets hurt so then I can prove myself as a starter. I I almost think this is, it's not the final opportunity, but I think this is a decent opportunity for him to go find somewhat of a quarterback battle elsewhere and see if you can turn that into one more starting run into your 30s. What did you think, though, what do you think his mentality was this when he, Signed on this last season, though. He didn't think he was going to play that much because they had Anthony Richardson. But he, and Anthony he, Richardson got so banged up so often in games that he had to step in. So maybe that was his mentality last year. He, where he's like, here's the well, I don't know how much I'm going to play, but, you know. You're right. Here's the difference, though. The difference is, I feel like going into this year, Minshew wasn't seen as a guy that could win you games. He lost games in Philly. They had a loaded roster in Philly, and he goes in. I mean, there was a stat at the beginning of the year. I mean, he he didn't beat good teams, right? Yeah, he Remem- lost like what yeah, nine remember, and ten or something. I mean, we like did that. that stat to me yeah. this year. Turned Minshew turned into hey he he is a little bit of a winner this year. That's what that's what the Colts did for him, and he did for the Colts was there the the W word, the winning word, the winner word started to kind of be mentioned with him. That was not the case going into going into this season. Yeah, like that's Heineke, how I view it. the Heineke and Brissett of the world probably viewed a little bit higher than him entering the season. But again, he only signed a one year deal, so clearly he wasn't married to, you know, this sort of situation. And he did sign here a month before Anthony Richardson was drafted. And if you look at the contract I forget the scale. For some reason, three to like seven million is popping in my head. But there was a big scale on the Colts saying to him, "Dude, we don't know how much we're we're going to need you. Like, we think we're going to start the rookie, but we we're not a hundred percent sure." So here's this, you know, very scaling contract. Let's see what happens. Um, Minshew strikes me as a dude as much as he likes Shane Steichen. He strikes me as a dude that's going to look long and hard mm-hmm. at some other options. And, and part of me is like, as he should. You know, I mean, this is an opportunity at 28 years old where he had a decent run here with the Colts this past season. I think he's viewed around the league as a high-end backup. He should find. Anthony Richardson is not moving, leaving. 
He's no. the only chance you play no. is, is if Richardson yeah. gets injury. hurt. There's a lot of opportunities. I shouldn't say a lot. There should be several opportunities around the league that you could find where there's more of a realistic chance at playtime. So for me, I look to bring him back if obviously he wants to be back, and then I'd also draft a quarterback here coming up uh, on day. Yeah, you, you talking about drafting a quarterback with Steichen, I, I, I would totally agree with that. The one thing I would say to Minshew before we Ellinger's go to break is, guy. No, a total agreement, is uh, just don't go to the Jets. Just don't go to the Jets. Just, just hang in there with Anthony Richardson. You have to wear tinfoil to, to play for the Jets yeah, these days, don't you? Instead of going to the Jets, just don't right. go there. I don't know if Rodgers and Minshew would be uh, totally on the <laughs> Boy, same those page, conversations. to be honest with you on that end. Uh, coming up next, Stephen Holder. A lot to get to with Stephen, not only the latest on Jim Mercer's health, uh, but certainly this free agency class. Uh, and Chris Ballard meets the media tomorrow. Stephen Holder joins. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This next. Reminder tonight coming up at 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off, Pacers and Washington tonight. No Tyrese Halliburton the first time we get to see the uh, new look lineup. Need to get a win tonight, obviously, uh, with that hamstring. Going to keep Halliburton out for a little while. We'll talk with Alex Golden coming up at 9 o'clock. All the college basketball from last night. Tons to get to tonight, but you know it's a Wednesday at 8 o'clock. You know what that means. Stephen Holder joins us. Colts insider there for ESPN.com, and he joins us on the Payless. Liquors Hotline. Steven, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Man, we're fantastic. Uh, sad to see the season end and sad to see it end the way that it did. But a uh, an interesting, at times, a fun season for the Colts. So I want to dive into all to everything. You know, having having read you, uh, whether it be ESPN or obviously on Twitter X, and then the spots you've done on the station. I know you, you're very strong on what we saw with fourth and one. So I want you to talk about that. But is there something having a few days from Saturday night and having Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and now this? morning that maybe you were really strong on after the game whether positive or negative that maybe you've you've come down on a little bit maybe you're not so strong on as the season ended obviously Saturday night there against Houston no I mean I I think going back to the fourth and one play I I'm not outraged about it as much as I I don't understand it it's not the – and I think I want to be clear. Some people I think are misconstruing – not you, but generally – misconstruing what the criticisms are, at least from my perspective. The criticism isn't, oh, you didn't run it up the middle with Jonathan Taylor. No, I, I understand the, the uh, disincentive to do that in that situation. I get it. Uh, certainly they're going to be looking for that play. Jonathan Taylor had – to, you know, had the, the heel issue, uh, whether that was impacting him, I don't know. But the point is there were, there were reasons and there were a rationale why that maybe wasn't the best idea. But I also think him not being on the field, I, I think you're playing to the defense's uh, advantage, frankly, uh, because he is such a focus. You could use that against him. And my issue is so – forget it. My issue is more so about the personnel. I think – I get it. Tyler Goodson was a was a pass catching running back in college, and my response to that is, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I just don't. I mean, 
there was a previous instance in a fourth and one, for example, they've done this a couple of times where they have played at play action and used the defensive aggressiveness against them, but they've thrown it to guys like Moali Cox or Kylan Granson, who maybe Moali Cox isn't the most sure-handed guy, but I mean, this is a, a 60 year NFL player. <laughs> okay. Not a guy who played 45 snaps this season. So all I'm saying is during the course of the week, Leading up to that game, Shane Steichen and his staff really thought about that particular situation. If we get a situation like that, this play that we worked on with Tyler, Tyler Goodson is going to be one of our go-to plays. And I just think that's a poorly conceived idea, personally. But I understand, I understand all the variables, and I understand why they didn't do what was obvious. That doesn't mean they had to do that. And lastly that also doesn't let Gardner Minshew off the hook. It was a terrible pass, yes. Yeah, 2,727 snaps in the career of Mo, Mo Alley-Cox uh, compared to 45 <laughs> for Tyler Goodson. Uh, l- last one on fourth and one for me, Stephen, because I, I, I'm just done with it, frankly. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's an unfair question. If you polled the 46 Colts players that dressed for that game on Saturday night, how many of them do you think would agree with the decision the personnel used on fourth and one? Well, if they had <laughs> complete anonymity, <laughs> correct, that correct. would be the that would be the key. Uh, I I think there would be, uh, I think there was probably a fair amount of surprise. There had to be, right? There had to be. Uh, they're human beings. I mean, they know it. I mean. Uh, what do you think Michael Pittman would have said about that? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Pittman I was the decoy, if you will, on that play. He's right. the one that was setting the pick to free Goodson. Correct, right. I, I mean, I'm not saying that that he had a, that he said anything remotely critical. He did. Right. Uh, I didn't even talk to him after the game. All I'm saying is, you know, a guy who, who wants the ball in every critical situation, you know, and then you end up throwing it to a guy who's, you know, barely registered as an NFL player, you know, to this point in his career – uh, and it and it doesn't connect. I mean, that has to lead to some to some second guessing um, um, among players, particularly those who who would have, you know, loved the opportunity. You know, so that's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. Stephen Holder's with us from ESPN. Stephen, I'll throw this at you: that the biggest question among the biggest questions I think entering the season was was Bernard Ryman your left tackle of the future. I think I feel pretty confident saying that is a yes moving forward. If I threw that one at you, what would be a question you had entering the year that you feel now the most confident in exiting 2023? Where would you go? Um, I, I would say I, I agree with you on Ryman for sure. Um, he is he's, he's definitely a guy who has at least taken that off the table for them. And and that's really what you want to do. You want to you want to make sure you have stability at your most important spots, and that's something that just hasn't been the case here uh, enough, at least uh, over the recent years. I, I would also say, EJ Speed has kind of I think settled things. You know, we talked about at length. We talked about the decision to release uh, Shaq Leonard, and I and I have no issue with that. I understand why they did what they did. Uh, what we haven't talked enough about is. The, the the role that EJ Speed's presence played in that decision, you know, and, and it did play a, a big role. There's no doubt about that. Uh, if EJ Speed isn't available to them or they don't have other options, then they, they maybe they make a different decision there. 
So EJ Speed, while he he definitely needs to be a little more under control at times, like he's got to cut out the, the stupid penalties. I, I get it, um, but I think he can grow. I, I still think he's a young player, certainly a young starter. Uh, he can still grow, and I think his the impact he's made in pass coverage, for example, has been really big and and has been um, has, has been good for the defense. So I, I like what he's done. I think he's going to be a guy who plays there for, for for the foreseeable future. Stephen Holder with us. I tell you what, I was going to go to Gus Bradley and uh, Pittman Jr. and everything else. Let's flip that question. What's something going into the season that maybe the Colts didn't do as well that you thought they would do? Hmm. Um, I I would say that's a good question. I think, well, let's say this. I, I thought I went into the season thinking Alec Pierce was going to have uh, a, a real opportunity to emerge. Uh, and it turns out, in large part because of the quarterback situation, uh, he ended up having the same problem he had last year, which is, He's a deep threat, and they didn't have a quarterback who threw deep. Last year, they had three quarterbacks, none of whom threw deep. So, <laughs> so this year, right. it was really just Gardner Minshew. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think that it's kind of frustrating, I'm sure, as a fan, to have to, to wait till year three to see what this guy is capable of. I still believe he can be uh, an impact player for them. But, look, he – he is a little bit one-dimensional, at least in terms of how they use him. I think he can do more, but how the Colts use him is certainly in a one-dimensional manner, and he is really their, their guy who runs most of their deep routes. Uh, they just didn't take those shots this year. I think Anthony Richardson will take those shots, and then uh, we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, he's Stephen Holder with ESPN. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, I don't know exactly how it's going to look. It might be the franchise tag, but I'm, I feel confident saying at this point I'd be surprised if Michael Pittman Jr. wasn't back with the Colts in 2024. Too premature with that comment? No, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I just think you have to look at um, – you, you have to look at the circumstances – and in terms of like what's available to them, what do they have? And, you know, to let someone walk is one thing <laughs> and replacing them is something quite different. And you can tell me, all right, fine. We'll go out there and we'll spend our first round pick on a wide receiver. Okay. That's fine. Um, I'm all for that. Okay. Do you, are you going to tell me right now, you think that guy can match the production of Michael Pittman as a rookie? Because I'm betting all my money against that happening. I just am. And so the other, the other reality here is what are you saying to your locker room? What are you saying to Anthony Richardson? What are you saying to the fans? You took this big step forward and this off season should be about building, not about, you know, creating new problems. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I have no indication. I have no reason to think that they're not going to do it. Um, Chris Ballard's history tells me that he will. And, and if they don't, then uh, we are going to have to have a long conversation about Chris Ballard and what the hell he's doing. <laughs> do <laughs> do we know, because uh, I know assistant <laughs> coaching contracts can be a little odd, do we know if Gus Bradley is under contract for 2024? That is a great question. I am not 100% certain. Um, I believe so, but that is a great question. Sometimes they do those uh, assistant coach contracts in two-year increments. Right. That, that's kind of why I was asking it. 
Right. Coordinators can be different, though. Um, position coaches, in my history, I think the, the average is a couple years. But on coordinators, particularly someone like Gus, who, who probably had options, you know, you, you may have to go longer, and they often do. So let's get that clarified with Chris Ballard tomorrow, actually, because yeah. I don't know for sure. It's a great question, though. Yeah, that's going to be one of the questions Ballard's probably going to field a few questions on. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sticking with Gus Bradley, what, what criticism is fair? What praise is fair for the job he did? And I guess ultimately, what do you think happens at that spot with defensive coordinator? Well, I'll answer the second question first. I mean, I, and I'm basing this largely on Shane Steichen's comments, not only on Monday, but really over several weeks. Um, I assume that, that Gus Bradley is, is returning to the Colts next season. I, I don't think there's any indication that, that Shane Steichen's going another direction. If he is, then that was great misdirection on his part. I, I really don't think that to be the case. Uh, as I said uh, immediately after to Kevin and others, um, and after the press conference, I said, this is a guy who never, ever, ever says anything definitive. And here he is saying something relatively definitive about Gus Bradley. So I'm going to take him at his word on that. I think that was notable. Now, in terms of evaluating Gus Bradley, here are my thoughts. I think you can, we can criticize the, the coverage issues. They were many. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. I think what we haven't done enough of is give him credit for, for generating a very productive pass rush. This team had more sacks than they've had since moving to Indianapolis. More sacks than any team since the Mayflower got here. And, and again, sacks aren't the only metric of pass rush. They are not. But I thought their pass rush generally was fine. Uh, in fact, I thought it was good. At times, you want to see in some key moments, you want to see guys get home. And they didn't always do that. So, you know, that can be frustrating. But I think overall, you have to be happy about the pass rush. And largely with the same cast of players he did it with last year, uh, One ex- the one difference being Samson Ebucom versus uh, Ngakwe. But I think really you're talking about largely the same cast of players. Now, in the secondary, I I think the criticism has to be balanced with, I think, some realism. And that realism should reflect the fact that, like, he was basically playing with a a practice squad back there for much of the season. I mean, you, you can't expect much. And I think you saw the difference it, it went from bad to worse when Julian Blackman went down, who I think was, was having a great season. It was kind of overshadowed maybe, but I thought he was having a really good season. So Gus Bradley really was up against it in that secondary. And it doesn't excuse what they did. Uh, but I just think, you know, look, I, I don't know that the expectations should have been much higher in retrospect. I think this is more of a Chris Ballard problem than a Gus Bradley problem. Frankly, I mean, we knew this was an area of concern. We talked about it in the offseason. And turns out, wow, what a surprise. Uh, and in fact, it got worse because the injuries mounted. Now, the last thing I'll say, there, there's a separate criticism, and that is that he is, too, um, he is too static in his coverages, Gus Bradley. That is a fair criticism, but it's also who he is. 
You know that going in. Yep. They hired him anyway. So uh, that is more a philosophical thing that they have to talk about internally and figure out if that's where they want to go. Yeah, I think that's a look in the mirror moment for Shane Steichen right now. What do you want your defense to be in your head coaching era, um, whether that's this offseason or moving forward? Okay, last one from me, Stephen. As always, appreciate the time. Uh, We saw the Jim Irsay statement yesterday from the Colts about um, his illness currently, severe respiratory illness, uh, is what the Colts labeled it as. I I'm trying to think. I I don't. I didn't see him at the last two games. Uh, you know, I, I don't travel to the Atlanta game. I don't know if you saw him there. The Steelers games, the last game I remember him being at, which is very very rare for him. Uh, anything more to add uh, outside of the Colts statement yesterday about Jim Mercey currently being treated for a severe respiratory illness? No, just more so the same that you just said, which is I have not laid eyes on Jim Mercey in quite some time, and. And you are, you are correct. That is very rare. Uh, and you mentioned the road games. I think that's key because at home, while we do see him in the post-game videos from the locker room, but that's before we get into the locker room as media. By the time we get in there, they've ushered him out to that back door, and, and we don't see him at home. On the road, they don't have that advantage. You know, it's basically a, a glorified high school locker room when you go to an NFL road um, locker room. I mean, I'm not kidding, right? I mean, you've been right, to some of right. these. And so, which is kind of funny, right? <laughs> In a $9 billion industry, but whatever. Anyway, there's no back door. There's just one way in, one way out. It's kind of rinky-dink. And usually if he's in there, you know, because there's security and his golf cart is parked right outside. I saw, I have seen none of that the last few road mm-hmm. games. And, and frankly, um, I had been wondering about his whereabouts and was looking for him. So I was I was glad that we got some kind of acknowledgement from the team that something's going on. I'm not saying they owe it to us. All I'm saying is I, I think myself and certainly others, I am not the only one, have been asking, where is Jim Mercer? And so I think that was a result of those questions and then the reality of, of him having an Ursay show, Ursay collection show uh, in Los Angeles this week. And, and obviously his absence would have been noted there. Yeah, we'll keep following that story. Uh, the Colts finally saying something yesterday. I know a lot of people have been asking, hey, where's Jim Mercer in this final run as the Colts trying to make the postseason? Uh, for me, last one for me, Mike Vrabel let go there in Tennessee. I guess just what are your thoughts? It's going to shake up the AFC South, and I guess I'm not confident that the Tennessee Titans are going to get anyone better. It might be a good thing for Indianapolis. <laughs> I bet you the, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars yeah. were like, Hey, man, sorry to see you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, they just did everybody in the division a favor as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, this guy's a great coach. Um, speaking of Jim Irsay, I mean, we have all – I think we're, a lot of us are familiar with his comments about the Titans over the years. And, and when he talks about the Titans, he can't stop talking about, <laughs> about their coach. That's all he ever talks about is just he loves, he loves that demeanor that he brings. And he, he does bring – a certain demeanor, uh, I think a toughness, um, an, a hard edge. You, you saw that when you played the Titans. Now, they may not have had the most elite skill position talent outside of, um, outside of Derrick Henry, but when you played them, you felt like you were playing you know, a team that, that, was, that was bringing it. You know, they're a lunch pail kind of team, and that is Mike Vrabel as far as I'm concerned. Um, look, will they go with a more offensive-minded type of person? 
They, they might, and, and maybe that will pay some dividends. I don't know. But they definitely had established a culture with, with Vrabel, and that's going to have to, I think, be reestablished with someone else. And that's a bigger deal than I think people think. Last thing is this. Um, I, I don't think this is really about football. There had to be – I mean, this is just a, an opinion, not a report. I'm just giving you my sense. I really wonder whether there were some interpersonal disagreements there because – I don't think you you make that move now with this guy in that situation with all he's done for that team. So I'm assuming Agreed. this is not about football. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Vrabel, uh, one of the guys the Colts interviewed back in 2018 before hiring Josh McDaniels, Chris Boward early in that process, among others. Matt Rule actually interviewed Dan Campbell the second time around along with Frank Reich and Leslie Frazier. Steven, thanks so much for all of our Wednesday visits throughout the season. Uh, you de- more than deserve a couple of Wednesday mornings off from us. Hopefully the news cycle will abide <laughs> on that end for the Colts, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up later in the offseason. Yeah, if only the news cycle would. I know. I, I, insert jinx here. <laughs> yeah. I apologize We'll up see front. you next week, Stephen, because of that. <laughs> All right, see you guys. That's Stephen Older right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Again, Andy, it, it, it happened right as the show ended yesterday. The Colts releasing that statement on Jim Mersey. I will read it here, and I quote, Jim Mersey is currently being treated for a severe respiratory illness. While this unfortunately means he won't be able to perform with his band this week in L.A., He's recovering. Uh, he, he is receiving excellent care and looks forward to returning to the stage as soon as possible. We'll have no additional information at this time, and we ask that you respect the privacy of Jim and his family as he recovers. Um, again, I have not seen him specifically. You know, I went down there at the end of the Texans game. You know, once the fourth and one happened. Uh, sometimes he does speak. You know, after games like that, and, and never saw him in the area that he typically walks through. Uh, after a game into the locker room. Uh, the Steelers game, which would be about a month ago now, would be the last time I've seen him at a game. Obviously, has dealt with a lot of health issues. Um, I think for those that watch Colts games or have been even at practice to Grand Park, or I certainly see it at practice daily over at West 56th Street, you know, Carly Ursay, uh, his oldest daughter, she is super present. I mean, we're talking on the sidelines during games. I think you even see her like wearing a headset. Um, she is pretty much at every practice I feel like I've been to. Um, so I think day-to-day operationally, um, she's really the one kind of running the show, if you will. Obviously, Jim's still heavily involved when you know those bigger decisions need to be made. I guess if there's a silver lining, and obviously you worry about his health first. If there is a little bit of a silver lining in all of this, you know, this time last year, he was really needed to make a big decision. Sure. And, you know, yeah, listening it's a great to point. Chris Ballard it's a great point. about the head coach hire, this is one of the first few off-seasons in a while that, you know, you haven't needed that sort of January decision from the owner there. But certainly, uh, hopefully Jim Mercer can get back to full health as quick as possible. Well, you even you even saw earlier in the season, I mean, training camp, when I came in and we started the show, all the Jonathan Taylor conversation. You know, Ursay was right. He was right in the middle of that, right, obviously. Right. Jonathan Taylor going on to his And he's bus right in the middle in you know, post-game locker room scenes, sure. as Steven described there. Uh, so Jim Mercer, 64 years old. Uh, certainly hope, again, that he can get back to full health. As quick as possible, because you know, not only does he love his football team, he loves his music. I did like that part that, of me read that statement, and, and I, it, I know. It, if you just pull out the second <laughs> sentence, it sounds like 
John Mayer lost his voice and he hopes to be back for the Nashville show or something like that. Didn't that happen to Morgan Wallen? Didn't didn't everyone show up with their cowboy hats at a Morgan Wallen concert a few months ago and then they put on the screen, "Sorry, Morgan Wallen uh, lost his voice." Like, damn, you could have you could have told me. I well, mean, did, everybody got to the show. Everyone was at the show. Jeez. Yeah, I, it, did seems they, like an issue. Did they put this out because? You know, with the Colts, it's understandable you're not going to see him all the time. So if you don't see him for a couple weeks, it's understandable. But, you know, he was going to play whatever, you know, I don't know which arena this was in or which, you know, if it was a charity function or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you, you know, that was going to be a very public thing. That he was not going to be at, so you couldn't, you know, you. I don't want to say you couldn't no comment, but you know, it was something people were expecting him to be at. Not the same as a football game with you know seventy thousand other people there. I, I would add this. I, I think there's been a lot of chatter about Jim Mercer and his health over the last few weeks, and I've been very, very, very curious as well um, if we would get a statement on this. So Colts released that yesterday. Um, on the Jim Ursay front. One thing to add, we didn't, we, yesterday we talked a little bit about the opponents for the Colts coming up this season. Andy, 15th overall pick, where they're slotted draft wise. That um, it's just a seven pick uh, draft class right now. Obviously, we know Chris Boward is a popular person in wheeling and dealing, usually back in drafts, but. For a lot of his drafts, he's walked into them with an additional pick or two, you know, based off trades and compensatory picks, things like that. As of right now, he's just got the normal seven pick allotment again, right in that 15th uh, overall area. So if you look at past 15th picks in NFL history, ooh, I like this. Not, not a lot of household <laughs> names. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the Colts uh, took Malik Hooker. Okay. With the 15th pick in 2017. I believe Malik Hooker is starting for the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. Well, that, that's your Super Bowl team. That is my Super Bowl team. The Dallas Cowboys, disgusting. Was it Mac Jones, the 15th overall pick? <laughs> Was Mac. The only thing I remember with Mac Jones is walking. Remember how fast he walked once he got taken? Oh, Selected yeah. by the Patriots. Looked Pe- like he had to go pee. Well, it looked like he had to go pee. It also looked like he was an assistant principal walking down the hallway. It's a great point. Uh, when there was a loud classroom. Uh-huh, yeah, substitute teacher. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Will, okay, here are the 15th yeah. overall picks. Uh, Will McDonald. And I'm going in order from 2023 to, uh, I guess it will go a full decade. Uh, Kenyon Green, Mac Jones, Jerry Judy, rest in peace, okay. Dwayne Haskins, Colton Miller, Malik Hooker, Corey Coleman, Melvin Gordon, and Ryan Shazier. I mean, there's some, there's some good. Yeah, there's some good in there, right? I mean, Shazier was good. I mean, he, he got can paralyzed. I where, can I ask where the good is besides well, maybe no. Shazier? Yeah, you're right. Corey Coleman was a bust. Was he not? I mean, Hooker's still playing. Mac Jones will be on the NFL Jerry Judy's next year, okay. I think. Jerry Judy. Your guys' definition Boy, of good right, is it's sounds it's pretty. Not good. It's Jerry not Judy's good. okay. You it's guys not sound good. You guys sound like Mike Woodson <laughs> describing his bench from last. It's night. a sprinkle of good and a yeah. pile of crap. So, so what do they do? They are you saying, hey Ballard, you trade out no, of fifteen just, or you know, move I, back to twenty two or something I like would, that? I would do that exercise <laughs> with any draft. Pick. Fair enough. I mean, hell, if you go up to fourteen, I think that's Zach Martin. You go up a little bit earlier, that's Aaron Don. I mean, obviously, Micah Parsons is in that range. Oh yeah, don't remind me. About there him. are some flat out studs in that range, but your guys' description of good literally, can, we have to <laughs> no, play the Mike Woodson clip now. We were being about nice. his bench. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, play it. All right, yeah, go ahead. Off the, morning. the morning checkdown. Omaha, 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 Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. All right, we will begin last <laughs> night in Piscataway. Uh, despite the national what emergency for weather, uh, somehow people still sh- showed up to the Rutgers game. 
Uh, better than watching on Peacock, I guess. Uh, Rutgers beats Indiana. Uh, a big sequence in the first half of that game was Mike Woodson going the hockey sub that he usually does, the NBA route that he usually does. That was putting in four subs with Khalil Ware. Listen to his description on past bench success this season. Here was Mike Woodson last night. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. If I had a magic pill that I could give them about making free throws, I would. That's all mental. If you played sports or played basketball, when you get fouled and you got to go to the line, they're free. So you should feel feel good about yourself and go up and knock them down for... We're going to take an audible here. We sound like IU shooting free throws here. Mark, do we have the Jeff Rabjohns question on that? It's clip one. Dial one of the biggest questions that fans were asking tonight on social media was, why were four starters out at the same time versus sort of like maybe rolling them through? If, if I'm you not going to sit here and, and answer that question when it comes to the fans or you. I elected to go to my bench, which I've done this season, and I've gotten some good results here and there. <laughs> and tonight, they didn't kill us, but they let them Stop back right in the there. game. Uh, yeah, they didn't right kill there. us. Some oh, good results. The caveat of here and there. And what was the last one? They didn't kill they us? They didn't kill us. They didn't kill us tonight. It sounds like well, you guys saying Jerry Judy's been okay. I, I know. I know. Well, you know, I blame Russell Wilson and uh, who else have they had there? Drew Locke, has he been there with Judy? I don't know. It's Four not good. 15 no, it's bad. from the foul line last night. 18 turnover. I mean, all of it is just terrible. I, I'll echo what I said in the first hour. Andy, if you're going to be big, if you're going to be archaic, if you're not going to shoot the three ball at a high rate, successfully or quantity-wise, you better dominate the paint. You better dominate the glass. They start three dudes over 6'8". They get out-rebounded by 15 last night. Can, can they I- didn't kill us, but... <laughs> Can I can I throw one other thing? And I've done this, and I've been called out by it. Rab Johns, that's that's him asking the question. Okay, he tried to hide a little bit behind yeah, some social yeah. media. Well, you know, social media. Just well, ask the question. Did, yeah, in did, my did, do you believe that, or does social media I believe it? That's why Woodson said, "Well, I ain't gonna answer the question if it's from you or if it's from the fans." You travel to Piscataway. <laughs> just ask the question. Move on. I mean, it is what it's. It's probably the number one gripe that Indiana fans have. My issue has always been fifty percent of college basketball, co- you know, coaches is, is getting the right roster. And they didn't get the right roster this year. So, of course, Mike Woodson and his coaching is only going to be able to do so much. Four. And I've gotten some good results here and there. Here and there. 4 of 15 <laughs> from the foul line last night. That is a serious stat from Indiana. Purdue, not a whole lot better. 88-72. That final score, probably a little skewy there. Purdue had some moments in the second half where they made it. Uh, pretty competitive there, but Nebraska shot it tremendously, and, and I'll go back again. Uh, if you look at the losses, whether it's St. Peter's, whether it's Fairleigh Dickinson, a high, high turnover rate in both of those games. Purdue you know, scored, what, 58 against Fairleigh Dickinson, 64 against St. Peter's. Uh, those turnovers lead to, you know, obviously transition opportunities, easy baskets. Nebraska got some great looks last night at that, so uh, if you look at the two losses, Northwestern and Nebraska this season, Andy, that turnover rate has got to get down. Yeah, they, you know, they hey, Fred get, Hoiberg was outstanding limiting Zach Eady. Yeah, they got within again. a bucket, and then the last 13 minutes gave it away again. Uh, you know, big big run there at the end of the first half as well. Didn't need to be down by 11 at halftime. Your early, if you're Purdue, so. early guess in Assembly Hall on Ooh. Tuesday at a line. Ooh, a line. Purdue is favored by how much? Oh, 
Oh, boy. Okay, so I wanted to say nine and a half, and I thought, eh, that that's too much. Maybe Man. it's, maybe it's seven and a half. I say five so, and a half. Something like that. Maybe seven and a half. Wow, yeah. Come on, Indiana's not any good. I but, side a little but, bit more with Mark Dykton. Okay, but Purdue has Purdue's lost one and two, two on the road. I mean, they've lost, yeah, they've lost two road games now. Nebraska and Northwestern are better teams. Nine and a half. Than Indiana. Hey, were you serious with that? Oh, I think I think Purdue clubs Indiana on Tuesday. Indiana Perfect. got him twice last year. Purdue's going to get him twice. What do you mean? IU's gotten some good results off the bench here and there. Yeah. Okay. They didn't kill us. We'll see. I might be wrong. I am. I'm. I guess I'm playing Homer guy with with Purdue. I don't, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with Purdue quickly. They didn't kill us. Uh, grade one left handy there for Tyrese Halliburton. Pacers. Which doesn't kill the Pacers the rest of the season, right? <laughs> Pacers in action tonight. Our coverage here on the fans six thirty. That tip off at seven o'clock again from the Woge report. Uh, if you will, about two weeks, then they'll reevaluate Tyrese Halliburton. So uh, it could be two weeks. It could be three weeks. Again, that TNT nationally televised game in Boston, Tuesday, uh, January 30th. That would be, if he came back for that one, he'd miss 11 games. What could they be in those 11 games? That's something we've talked about as well. I do want you to uh, debate whether if I'm too glass half full with this Halliburton injury and the Pacers being better equipped to handle it here. We'll discuss that coming up on the other side. Tonight at 9 o'clock, Butler back in action. Ten and a half point underdog at Marquette. Certainly one of the more uh, difficult games of the season for Butler. Mentioned this in the opening hour. I think at some point, whether it's this one, which again is very difficult, or it's Marquette when they return at Hinkle, or it's at UConn later in the year, I think you got to steal one of them. I think you got to get one of those games uh, to really fortify that resume. So we'll see if Butler, losers of three straight, can get that tonight. All right, on the other side, again, what will the starting lineup look like without Tyrese Halliburton? Can the Pacers handle it as they uh, have one final home game and really need to get this one tonight before six straight on the road? We'll chat about that on the other side. Yeah, so I try. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I do during the break there, KB. I tried to look up, you know, the Sagrin ratings. Have you ever used those before? It's a little bit like Ken Palm. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't look at them too, too okay, much, well, but yeah, fine. I'm certainly well, somewhat familiar with Well, them. you can use them because they'll usually tell you about what the line is going to be because, yes, Purdue's not going to be favored by nine and a half on Tuesday. Now, they went, might win by nine or ten, but they're not going to be favored. Jeff Sagrin has not updated his Sagrin ratings this season. That I can tell. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. By the way, Indiana down with the loss last night. Indiana now 103 in the net. Uh, They're sandwiched between College of Charleston and Arizona State out of the Pac-12, in in case you were wondering. So, Rutgers' last win before last night was Stonehill. Is that correct? Yeah, we talked about that. You know Stonehill's a record? Uh, I'm going to guess Stonehill has won like two games this season. That's Stonehill is 2-15. and 15. <laughs> There you go. 2-15. and 15. Uh, Okay, so we're looking at Andrew Nemhard. Is that our expectation, you think, for the starting lineup? 100%. And I, then I, keep everybody else, or do you need more scoring punch? Because right now, uh, what, it's been about three weeks since we've seen the change. And the change was you know, Aaron Neesmith and Jalen Smith into the starting unit. So basically, it was Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Andrew Nemhard, or excuse me, uh, Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner. So 
Now Halliburton is out. Nemhard goes in. Do you need any more scoring punch? Do you need Buddy Hield or Benedict Matherin in the starting lineup? Because again, that's what makes Halliburton so rare. It's that yeah, he gives you twelve assists a night, yeah, and sure, all in one player. You know, yeah, Nemhard has had games like that, and T.J. McConnell's had games like that, but they don't give you twenty five on top of it, and that's what Halliburton gives you. So. Um, are you, I guess, content there with more of the, just happens to be more of a defensive-minded starting lineup uh, and keeping Matherin and Heald off the bench for the next couple weeks? Yeah, so I, I think this is, and, I, and I'll give Rick Carlisle credit, you know, he has been flexible, has he not, with not only his substitutions, but he's changed starting lineups a couple different times. They went through a losing streak, and he said, hey, he came on here three weeks ago with us, KB, and was like, yeah, you know, watch out because we're going to change some things. I I happen to think, at least initially, this is rather easy. You go with Nemhard, you throw him in the starting lineup, and then you're bringing Buddy Heald, you're bringing Matherin off the bench. Obviously, TJ McConnell, uh, he's not going to go a few games without playing. And, you know, now it's you know he played 25 minutes the other night when Halliburton went down against Boston. You mentioned earlier in the show you have McConnell distributing uh, to Heald and Matherin. I think that's the way you go. The only other argument would be and I've seen some of this, is, you know, Matherin, even Carlisle came out with us and, you know, after the game the other night and said, you know, Matherin is a starter who we're bringing off the bench. If you're thinking, okay, maybe this is his opportunity to be a starter again, you throw him back in. I don't don't foresee that, but I think some fans will say, especially if you lose some games here, will say, hey, you know, Matherin's supposed to be our guy. Throw him in. Again, you can play 30 minutes, though, and still be coming off the bench. He did it the other night against Boston. What would you do? I I think the only question is what you do with Matherin, right? I think I'd roll with what we've talked about. Nemhard in the starting lineup, keep Matherin and Buddy where they're at. And obviously, Rick Carlisle, and we saw it on Monday night, he's totally content with ending the game with whoever's hot. And, and, you know, Matherin and Buddy can play starter-like minutes at the end of the game. I think a big worry of mine, and it's not going to show up, or it's not going to be as obvious to see in a box score. Like, we can see, how do you make up for the 24 points without Halliburton? How do you make up for the 12 assists without Halliburton? Andy, you know, sitting there on Monday night, it is amazing to watch some possessions, and Drew Holiday or whoever was guarding Halliburton just his total back turn to the rest of the action. Like, do not let Halliburton get it. You don't see, there are not many players in the league that command the defensive attention that Tyrese sure. Halliburton does. Sure. So what's the trickle-down effect off of that? Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that would look at it, and maybe it's a little bit of an analytical look at it, but they say, oh, wow, you're going to go have Drew Holiday stand in the corner and not offer any help side defense? We'll take our chances playing 4-on-4. Four four. We love the spacing. That, that that creates with you having a defender that's going to offer zero help side. Well, that's now gone for the next couple of weeks. No one sniffs that sort of scouting report attention like Halliburton does. So, again, that one is not going to be as obvious to see, but certainly it's going to be very impactful for this team moving forward here. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was this time last year in that I think they can keep the ship a little bit more afloat. I don't think it's just simply... You know, cry for help, and I I look at the next eight games, and I think, can you go three and five? Mm-hmm. And again, those next eight games, and to reiterate uh, what Adrian Wojnarowski reported yesterday, he said that Tyrese Halliburton will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks. So that's not a guarantee he's back 
in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, but if you play out the next two weeks, the eight games are tonight, the Wizards, Andy, then it's six in a row on the road at Atlanta, at Denver, at Utah, at Sacramento, at Portland, at Phoenix, and then your first game back is also Denver. So you get two of the defending champs in there. Uh, and then if you want to look a little bit further out, 76ers and Suns in a back-to-back coming up in a, in a couple weeks. And again, I, I even extrapolated that out a little bit more. If you look at Tuesday, January 30th, that's the Boston game that's on TNT that you know we've talked a lot about, as have the Pacers and Halliburton about playing on national television and everything else. That would be 11 games. Uh, can they go like four and seven? That would leave you at 25 and 22 with 35 games to go. By the way, I just looked down. You have Pringle socks on today. Sorry. I do. I yes. like those. Uh-huh. Where'd you get those at? Uh, I, I like those. I am a big sock human. Uh, I've You're got Dorito sock socks. Okay. I have Cheez-It socks. I have Cheeto socks. You're a sock guy then. I'm a sock There's guy. There's a junk okay. food sock guy, it sounds I am. like. <laughs> What's your favorite Pringles? I'd go with ranch. Boy, you have originals. Uh, that's what your socks well, say. I'd probably go with the original. Well, I, I, I'd probably I, go with the original. I do not hate against that. I don't think I've had Pringles in a while. Boy, I haven't had Pringles, I feel like, in a year, What are you guys man. doing? You guys I, aren't I, living? I, I I don't know. I'm a Doritos man. Cool ranch or nacho cheese? Nacho cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell my wife, like, we can't have that stuff in the house. I'll eat, I'll eat the entire bag. Uh, that is so true. I, I'll eat the entire so true. thing. I, mean, I, I have no I, self-control it, on any of this. None. It, I am ashamed about how <laughs> deep into the Pringles can I can go in oh, one it's sitting. ridiculous. Can I ask you one or two things? I'll, I'll say one thing. I'm, I'm I most, hope Maddie's not listening. I'm most worried. It's about right now they listen. Isn't that right? I Is know, your family yeah, right now? Yeah, we're at daycare uh, right now. I'm <laughs> worried about the closer role. Just because that's Hall- a great point. Just, yeah. just, I mean, that's to, a great point. To, to me, I mean, there's so many things we can be worried about with Halliburton going that's a very out. Very good point. That would be mine. You know, he can he can go ISO and hit a three and get fouled and get a four point play. Not many guys can. And then I wonder, I wonder because the the rhetoric has been, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but the rhetoric has been KB that that you know this team's not last year and they're going to be able to stay afloat. And for the most part, I want to be clear, I agree with that. What percentage of the fan base isn't that? Is like no, we're. I'm worried that we're gonna lose. You well, know, I, I, seven out of eight here over the next couple weeks. I guess a lot of it is what is the definition? You know, three and five might not sound great, but I mean, this schedule was already tough to yeah, begin. No, with. I think three and five would be okay. It's the first Western yeah. trip of the year. Again, you have the altitude back to back of you know Denver and Utah. Uh, you got Phoenix thrown in there. Then you come back and you face Denver um, in your first home game back. So. Um, and it's jumbled in the East. I mean, heading into the other night, what was it? Five teams at 21 and 15. It, it was six teams. The Knicks won last night. They have 22 wins. Now it's five teams at 21 so, wins. So, yeah, that I think is where you offer some, you know, question, concern, however you want to describe it. Again, I've been a big, I think you should be a five or six seed this season. I think you should be out of the play-in. And I think there's scar tissue from last year, you know, losing nine of 10 right after Halliburton got hurt in New York. I am curious, since a question I want to throw Alex Golden's way. When he joins us at nine, how much does and should this impact the deadline? Yeah. And, you know, does it bleed into February at all? Because if the, again, reevaluated in approximately two weeks turns into he returns in three to four weeks, I mean, now you're right at the trade deadline. And now you're right at the all star break as well. So I think those are a couple factors that we could be discussing here down the road. Alex Golden here in a few. Uh, we'll get back in a little Colts conversation next.
All right, a couple minutes of Colts conversation here. We'll dive into. Reminder, Alex Golden setting the pace podcast. He'll join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, just to intro the Colts stuff, Mark mentioned it during the break. I figured I would do so on air. Given that we've talked about now former Giants DC uh, Wink Martindale, just with the Colts and all the other nonsense. Now, the story here in New York, just to update it, he's gone. He's going to be out of here. It's not it's, safe for work, correct? It's, it's not official, but he and a few other defensive coaches were going around the head coach there, Brian Dable. That is the thought process. So Dable went in and fired basically uh, Wink Marndale's buddies. And so now Wink Marndale's, well, I'm going to be out of here. So that's that's kind of the update. I don't see him coming to Indy. Uh, Stephen Holder, you know, joined us earlier this hour. He still thinks Gus Bradley will be back. Chris Ballard, I'm sure, will be asked tons about Gus Bradley tomorrow. So we'll have more sound and information on that. But uh, if you're following that name at all, if you do wish to have a new defensive coordinator, that is the drama that's going down there uh, in New York is a battle between a DC and the head coach going around the head coach. I guess they had a cursed out argument. I'm sure that happens in football facilities all the time, but figured I would give an update, if you will, given that the last two days we've talked maybe, about that. Maybe story. they're arguing about Pringles. <laughs> maybe or Doritos, yeah. I could see Wink Mar- Ranch. I could see Wink and Brian Dable have an oh, argument about so? Pringles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kevin, how many uh, some big guys? How many wide receiver that. questions for Chris Ballard tomorrow do you Ooh, have written down? Yeah. I don't yeah. have too too many. Now, what's on your sheet, by the way? Too, too what's many on your Ballard there? sheet over there? It definitely ah. made me think. And I mean, Bowen. Every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of <laughs> of of uh, wideouts. <laughs> well, well mm-hmm. was that a combine? When was that? I forgot about all the freakings it's that a, were in there. It's a great use yes, of uh, NFL combine. Boy, I. I'm trying to think. I mean, that had to have been what three years ago now, Mark? Longer than that? Yeah, I think about three. I was okay. gonna guess like the COVID combine, or the I think the combat combine was like the last event before COVID. Yeah, I feel like if yeah, I we remember, we all kind it. of looked it at was. each other after that, like that was the last hurrah. Yeah, now we're all stuck in our it, basements. It, it was because I did I did a remote with Pat Forty at a liquor store. We're like, I don't know what's gonna happen with these conference tournaments, and then the next day the world well, shut yeah. down. I, I, like literally that not next go down day, that rabbit hole, but yeah, I remember like down. Butler going to Madison Square Garden <laughs> to play their Big East tournament game, and then because they were the last <laughs> conference that really held on. I remember being over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse for. Rutgers, Michigan. I remember. 12 fans in the crowd, and then all of a sudden they come out for warm-ups and they say, no more. Um, Okay, Chris Bauer tomorrow, 12.30. By the way, Anthony Richardson will also meet the media tomorrow. That'll kind of be his end of the season presser as well. But, you know, Ballard related some things on my mind. Um, you know, 28th in points allowed. More on personnel, more on scheme. Uh, you know, I know that's more of a Ballard question, more of a Gus call. You know, I, I, I get that there's a little bit of loaded nature to it, but Man, look at the quarterbacks you played. That's a big number. 28th in points allowed with those quarterbacks. Oh, you played bad quarterbacks, um, yeah. Does he feel urgency to get this figured out quicker? Building with a rookie quarterback, he's really never had that. Build with a rookie contract quarterback, um, you know, does that lead to a little bit more activity? Um you know, does he expect a big chunk of the seventy-two million to go to in-house guys? You know, franchise tag is not something he's really explored at all. Uh, any concern there if he were to give that to a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., what it could lead to from a holdout standpoint. Equity pays fifth year option. I would not hand it to him, but that's a decision the Colts must make here coming up. Um that's probably some of it. You know, I, I think you can get into a little bit of a culture suspension related question mm-hmm. at some point as well. You know, Jelani Woods' uh situation, you sure. know how do you view Alec Pierce? Do you sure. view this as you know, this is a guy that just needs to have an Anthony Richardson-style quarterback and we'll be able to truly evaluate him. 
Uh, has Shane influenced him at all from a roster standpoint? Those would probably be some of the ones I would toss his way. Yeah, I, I think for me, and you mentioned this maybe yesterday, is is the defensive coordinator, whether you keep Gus Bradley or you look elsewhere, is that a Ballard uh, decision or is that a Steichen decision? Didn't you bring that up yesterday? Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was even on Monday. Yeah. You know the you know the defensive coordinator has been given by the GM. Uh, how is that dynamic going to work? And then you know for me the the Gus Bradley decision is a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you say well Gus didn't do a great job, okay, then what are you going to do with Gus Bradley? If you say well he didn't do a great job because we didn't have the personnel, well that's not a good look for Chris Ballard. Uh, so to me, how he navigates that is going to be interesting. Obviously, Pittman, you mentioned the salary cap. And then the other thing, and this might be even something tomorrow. Uh, we do a mini segment on KB, but you know, all the players, Zaire Franklin, I mean, yesterday, um, oh goodness, I, I'm blanking, but yesterday there was a player or two, Steichens talked about it, that everyone feels like they're right on the cusp of 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 really being really good here, right? That has been the narrative emanating from the season. Why do they feel that way? And what what does Balor need to do to not stand pat and to put them over the edge? And that goes back to is the you know the seventy some odd million going to be used for in house guys? Uh, you're going to go out in free agency. Obviously, the draft class you'll have to pay as well. But, you know, they feel like they're on the cusp. I understand that. I am in agreement with that. But why do they feel that way? And what does Chris Ballard need to do to make sure there's no backsliding to where if you're on the cusp of something, that means you need to get over the hump. How do they do that? I, You know, there's probably seven or eight questions in there that I think are big-time questions. Yeah, and when you look at that, again, 28th in points each of the last two seasons allowed. And if you go back to 2022, you know, you obviously gave away the football a whole lot, which contributes yeah. to a big point total. You didn't have that this year. It's not like you ranked that high in giveaways, you know, committing turnovers yourself. So again, uh, 28th in points each of the last two years. That's been Gus Bradley's two years at defensive coordinator. And especially this year, I would not consider it a quarterback gauntlet by any means. So that'll be something I think to throw Chris's way. All right, Pacers, uh, the Halliburton injury situation. Good news on that end. Should or does it alter, though, any of the trade? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Deadline plans. We'll chat about that with Alex Golden next. Yeah, 9 o'clock hour. Thanks for hanging out with us. One more hour to go here on the Wake Up Call. As always, hanging out with you in the DriveHuber.com studios. You miss any of the show. Our conversations, our interviews, Stephen Holder today, Alex Golden coming up. You can check it out, 1075thefan.com. And reminder, tonight, Pacers back in action. Our coverage here on The Fan, Washington and Indy, right here, 637 o'clock tip-off, right here on The Fan. All right, let's talk Halliburton. Let's talk Pacers. 
Sixers. And let's do it with our guy Alex Golden joins us setting the pace podcast. And he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alex, good morning, man. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm doing good, Andy. How are you doing, man? Man, we're fantastic. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday. I guess uh, a two-parter to get things going. Halliburton goes down. He gets carried off. You see the towel over the head. I guess what were your initial thoughts? And then, you know, perhaps two, three weeks here, maybe even longer, the Pacers will be without him. What would you uh, constitute a success for the Pacers in the next couple weeks? Yeah, when I saw the towel over his head and I saw that he had to be, uh, you know, helped off the court and he couldn't put any pressure on it, my biggest fear was, is he done for the year? And, you know, Pacer fans probably remember Victor Oladipo with his injury that he had a couple of years ago and they had to ask, uh, take him off on a cart. So it was one of those things where it's just like, I didn't think it was that bad, but you knew that it wasn't good. And so hearing the results that we heard yesterday with the MRI, with it just being a grade one sprain, and then hearing Coach Carlisle talk with you guys yesterday saying that he did walk out on his own power, that was definitely uh, relieving to me because I was, I was really nervous about it. And I was like, the paces are really heading in the right direction. The last thing they need is for a Halliburton injury just to kind of run their plans because it feels like this Pacers team the last at least five, six years since Pritchard's taken over, whenever they've gotten things really going, it's been injury after injury after injury that's kind of kept this team from reaching its ceiling. So good to hear that. But I would say over the next, you know, the rest of this month, uh, especially, it, it's going to be tough. they got this road trip coming up after this game against Washington. And this team is more talented, and they are a little bit deeper than they were last year. So if they can stay right around the 500 record until Tyrese Halliburton gets back, like with those games that he misses, I think that's the ultimate, like, ceiling for what I think this team can do. If they fall, like, two or three games under 500 over the next 10, 15 games, like, I can kind of understand that. I'm not saying record-wise to fall under 500. I'm saying for those uh, specific 10 to 15 games. But if they can just kind of stay afloat, I think that is what you're hoping for while Tyrese is out. Alex Golden's with us here, setting the pace. Great listen to for all Pacers fans out there, Alex's podcast. I probably should have double-checked this, Alex, so I apologize if I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. But um, Halliburton, if he makes All-NBA, that contract rises to, like, I think it's $260 million. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's two sixty. As far as I remember, it's two hundred and sixty million dollars if he does get All NBA. Two hundred and six if he does not. But okay. Still, and how many games does he need to play? Right? Because isn't there a game threshold that you need to play? Because I bring that up and think, man, in the back of his mind, if whatever, if he needs to play sixty-five of eighty-two games, right now he's scheduled. He's already missed a couple. He's scheduled to miss eight. If you look at the reevaluation in two weeks. Uh, I, I, there is a little worry, you know, of uh, man, fifty-four million dollars on the line if you play out that entire contract. Uh, if he tries to kind of rush back to get to that sixty-five game threshold, yeah, that is a fifty-four million dollar injury right there, which kind of sucks for him potentially. But you know, you think about it, he's missed three games this year already. He has to play sixty-five to meet that threshold, like you said. So that gives him fourteen games that he can potentially miss um, with this injury. So we'll we'll see if he's able to come back. I think ultimately you just want to take care of his health long-term. And I don't know if there's anything the Pacers can do for bonuses or renegotiating the contract to kind of help him get some of that money back. I don't know how all that works, but right. I do think that it's a, it's a bit of a bummer for him. But the two-week reevaluation thing, like I would be shocked if he's ready to go after two weeks, but it's, it's not. there's a lot of games in January, which is the only part that stinks for how many games he could miss. So it's, it's one of those things. Hopefully he's ready to come back by February and 
you know, maybe misses like 13 to 15, but still gets close 65, 67 games played this year. Alex Golden with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And then, you know, hey, listen, I, you're right. It's a bummer. I mean, they, not only are they playing good basketball this road trip, January, we understand the schedule is going to be fun to kind of watch them up against Denver and Phoenix and even Utah's playing some really good basketball right now. What does this do for the trade deadline? And I don't even know which way to, to lead you down here. If they lose some games, do, does that mean you trade more people? Were they going to try to add? We know OG Ananobi. We've talked to you about him before. What do you think the injury does and the timeline of the injury does for the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Pacers are still going to be active in terms of looking at what's available to them, especially knowing that Tyrese can come back. And there's going to be players out there that I think the Pacers are going to have interest in. They're going to make calls on and potentially look to add them because I think regardless of this injury or not, you might be looking to make a trade not just for the rest of this season, but for the long term. So if there's a deal out there that makes sense, then that does help. And then also what this does, Andy, is that it gives these players that maybe aren't getting as much playing time a little bit more of a chance to kind of showcase what they can do. And maybe that does increase their trade value to a certain degree, which helps the Pacers out in terms of making a negotiation with a trade. If a guy's playing really well over the next 10, 15 games, Maybe his stock rises to where it seems like, okay, we want that player in this deal, and maybe his role wasn't as significant prior to Tyrese's injury. So I think there are a couple ways to look at it. But at the same time, if this team's clicking and playing well, is it, is it the right time to go in and make this kind of move and try to you know make an all-in type of move? I don't know. So I think at this point they can probably try to get better around the margins and, and maybe for the long term, but ultimately – I think it all comes down to do they believe the ceiling of this team can, can get deep into the playoffs. And being 7-4 and four, uh, against the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, maybe they feel a little bit more confident that with a healthy Tyrese and a few more pieces, they are, they are closer to contending than maybe people realize. Yeah, again, the trade deadline February 8th. So if you look at that, that's just over four weeks post-injury for Halliburton. And, and the early thought is the reevaluation in approximately two weeks. So just February 8th to keep an eye on with that trade deadline. Again, Alex Golden at Alex Golden NBA. Uh, he is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, Alex, you good with Andrew Nemhard as a starting point guard and leave Matherin and Heald on the bench? Or would you tweak a little bit more of that starting lineup without Halliburton? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would keep it with Nimhard uh, for for Halliburton just for now. I think it's going to help your defense. It's a pretty strong defensive team with Bruce, Andrew, Aaron, Miles, and Jalen out there, uh, and kind of leave Ben in his role because I've seen a lot of people say, "Okay, this is Ben's time to shine. Ben's time to kind of take over." But everything we've heard from Coach Carlisle this year, I don't think they really want Ben trying to force anything and trying to push and press to be this number one scorer on this team and think he's the number one guy right now. I think they want it to kind of happen naturally with his development. And so keeping him in the group that he's in, he's been playing fantastic basketball this season, uh, specifically the last 10 games. I mean, he's shooting the ball incredibly well from outside and just getting to the rim and attacking better, getting better defensively. So I, I wouldn't really make any drastic changes to the lineup and then see what you got because the bench has been the strength of this Pacers team. So if you can bring in a huge scoring punch with Buddy, Ben, Obi, and T.J. McConnell off the bench, I think that is going to kind of help balance things out. They just can't get themselves in too big of a hole with maybe not having as much offensive firepower with that starting group. Anyway, Ben Shepard cracks rotation with this. I was just trying to think of kind of fringe guys. I don't, I don't necessarily think you have to go that deep. Obviously, you'll have some injuries around this inevitably, so maybe he will get a minute or two here or there. But um, right now, do you think it'll just be T.J. McConnell, uh, you know, bumped into the consistent rotation? 
Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, they have 11 guys when, when healthy that are really getting in that rotation. We saw 11 guys play on Monday night against Boston. I mean, Nimhard was the 11th guy into the game. And I think it's because McConnell, you know, I think he missed like two wide open threes in, in the second quarter. And with McConnell's inability to really shoot, I think he's only made one three-pointer all season long. It does kind of change the way that teams guard the Pacers. So at least Nimhard's willing to shoot them and they have to respect him to a certain degree. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think Shepard gets into the rotation at all. I think they're just going to ride this 10-man rotation. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do get in foul trouble with their point guards, but that's when Bruce Brown kind of has to become that emergency point guard, which we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> Alex Golden with us. Alex, what did you make of the NBA gods smiling down on the Pacers the other night? The NBA came out. They and rewarded the big yes, market Pacers. <laughs> what they did. Uh, Porzingis, uh, the the foul should not have been called on him. Matherin goes to the line and make the free throws. I know you tweeted about that, as did others. The final, the two-minute report went against Boston and was, uh, for the first time ever, actually good for the Pacers. It's about dang time, Andy. I mean, how many times have the Pacers been on the wrong side of the call? I mean, LeBron James is even upset about it. It's like, you know, you want a playoff game against the Pacers because you goaltended over the depot and it wasn't called. So, like, you know, there's missed calls that happen all the time, and I definitely thought Buddy Hill did hit the back of Jalen Brown's head. But I agree. He did get the ball first. He got the ball first. So maybe they, you know, rolled it like he got the ball first. So it's just a play on. And then for them to kind of say that Porzingis didn't foul Matherin, which I, which is so funny. Like, even listening to the Boston broadcast, they were just, they were like, yeah, that's a foul on Porzingis, but they shouldn't have called that one on, uh, the one on, uh, they shouldn't have reversed that call that was originally called on uh, Buddy Hill. So I was like, you know, I, I get it. It's tough especially when you're official on that point, do you just let the game kind of play out? It's, it stinks to see a game one at the free throw line when you're on the opposite end of things. But when you're on the, when you're on the good side of it, I mean, hey, I, I love seeing Ben Mavin go down there and knock those two free throws down with a lot of confidence. So good for the Pacers. You know, it, it's funny. I felt that way. I felt reverse in how the NBA totally. officiated it totally. on Monday night. And I felt reverse back when the Colts and the Browns had those two calls at the end of the game. I thought that – should have been reversed as well. That's so, a good point. Uh, it's kind of odd how both of those played out there at the end. Uh, Alex, last one from me, and it's not really a question, um, but I just want to give a hat tip to Jalen Smith. I, I think Jalen Smith has played so well this season. Um, you know, obviously last year a, a lot of hype, and I was a big fan of hey, he's going to be the starting four, and he's sticking around. And you know, there was that debate about contractually, and and what would he do? It doesn't go well last season. There's a big question: where would he get minutes this year? Would he be any sort of consistent? rotational player, and that dude brings it. He brings on both ends of the floor, hits open shots, huge block to end the third quarter the other night. It's no question whatsoever, Alex. It's a hat tip to Jalen Smith. No doubt about it. I asked Tyrese Halliburton about this a couple of weeks ago when I was at the game and just kind of got his, getting his feelings on Jalen playing the four a little bit more and going to a bigger lineup. And, you know, he said last year Jalen just couldn't hit his corner threes, basically. He was missing a lot of open shots, and that really did kind of hurt his overall confidence and his game last year with the Pacers being that starting forward. But this season we've really seen a guy step in and start knocking down shots from outside. And in addition to that, he's put a ton of work into his body. I mean, if you, if you see Jalen Smith from last year to this year, he's added a lot of other body strength. And in addition to that, he's gotten quicker with the ball and, and being able to take guys off the dribble. But we're seeing Jalen Smith kind of evolve as a really good player. And I don't, I don't necessarily think he's the long-term answer at the starting four. I think that it's good for what they have now, and it was kind of nice to shuffle things up a little bit. And I think that it did kind of give Obi Toppin a bit of a wake-up call too because Obi Toppin was playing decent, but I think he's played much better since he's come off the bench. So 
it, it was one of those things where I think the the shakeup was just really needed. But Jalen Smith, his ability to be that secondary rim protector next to Miles Turner, give them some size, probably one of their better rebounders too. Uh, he's just a really good player, and he definitely has earned every single minute that he's gotten this year because, you know, he even said it. He started playing in, in camp as the four next to Isaiah with the second unit, but then when we saw them play in preseason, he was the third-string center. So I wasn't really sure where he was going to get minutes at this year, but he earned those in preseason. And then when Isaiah Jackson played well while he was injured, Carlisle found a way to reward both those guys to get them, you know, the minutes they deserve. So I thought that was really kudos to both those guys, but specifically Jalen. It's the end of a five-game homestand. Pacers so far, 3-1 and one on it. It's the Pacers and Wiz tonight. Obviously, Indiana lost to Washington a few weeks back on a Friday night in the nation's capital, still favored by seven and a half without Tyrese Halliburton. Alex, as always, man, tremendous. Hope you're having a good start to the new year, and uh, we'll certainly be in touch before the trade deadline. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, best of luck to you guys. That is the great Alex Golden right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. I get that it's an insane amount of money, and there might be a chunk of our audience, Andy Sweeney, that says, who the bleep cares? $54 million, though, for Tyrese Halliburton, the difference in playing 65 games or not. I, I think if he plays 65, <laughs> he's a slam dunk to be I, on one of those I NBA I all, all, all teams, um, first, second, or third. Uh, and if you play out that math, as Alex said, he's already missed three games, so you're allowed to miss 17. He's missed three. That would leave 14 to go. If you say, and again, reevaluation in approximately two weeks. Let's say he misses three total weeks. So you stretch out the reevaluation in approximately two weeks to he's back playing in three weeks. That would be 12 games. So 12 plus three is 15. That would leave two games for him to miss the rest of the season. There is part of me that does worry about that and Halliburton wanting to kind of push it. Am I reading too much into that? No, you're not. I mean, 54 no, you're not, million no, is... You're not. No, you're not at all. I mean, like, you remember, it was John Morant lost 39 mil with his suspensions, and then he wasn't voted in uh, an all-NBA, and he lost out on 39 mil. Now, Halliburton's just injured. Now, that's a lot of money. You kidding me? We saw... He's just injured and much better behaved yeah, off the floor. Yeah, I mean, we saw this in the NFL. The Chiefs had everyone except for Chris Jones, like a guy they need, given that they're not a great offense right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, how are they going to win games? By playing in the cold and by playing defense. And Chris Jones is out there playing huge snaps so he can make $1.5 mil and get a sack. You see it in sports all the time. That is a little bit of a concern that I have here uh, coming well, up. But I, I, all I just, in all, obviously good news on the update yesterday. But I just don't want that and or the All-Star Game appearance to potentially cloud or influence, I guess, a possible return date for Halliburton. Honestly, I mean, for many reasons, January is the most crowded month the Pacers play all season. You just wish this injury would have occurred at some different point in the season where he doesn't maybe have this sort of, I guess, the All-NBA stuff would would be there, but the All-Star Game would not be there. Um, You know, the way I feel for the All-Star Game is... (sighs) It's the weekend of what the 18th. It's that weekend. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it, it's deep. It's what five weeks yeah, from now. Yeah. So for me, if we're three and a half, four weeks, and he's not right, 
I, I'm I'm almost like not even worried about the All-Star game. I'm worried about the season and the injury as a whole, right? Like I get to a certain point. Dustin DePirac was on with uh, Query and Company yesterday, and he kind of gave it that Thursday, February 1st. If we get to Thursday, February 1st, and, you know, Halliburton still needs some more time, I think that was the date that left him to be a little bit worried. If we start to get inch closer, February 10th, 11th, and the the 12th and 14th are their final games before the festivities that week here in Indianapolis, and when we get to those games on the 10th and 12th, and we're talking about him not being right I mean, we're talking about a team that that very well could be under 500, fighting for a playoff spot and everything like that. And then, you know, the All-Star Game festivity talk probably won't be there. It'll be like, hey, where's this season actually going to go? Who are going to be the indie celebrities in the Celebrity All-Star Game? Mike Epps is the first one that comes to mind. That's the one that comes to mind. Clayton Anderson singing the national anthem for that? Uh, Maybe. Get an indie car driver or two? Obviously McAfee. Yeah. Yeah. Someone with the Colts. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, just yeah. some, I mean, you know, someone with the Colts, obviously McAfee. Well, yeah, you don't want Anthony Richardson playing basketball with that with that shoulder. <laughs> uh, no. Peyton Manning, not? Reggie Miller, we're going to go, we're going to shoot uh, high here? You get Reggie Miller, he'll be there with all the NBA stuff. Yeah, Peyton TNT Manning, action no. there. No, I, I doubt that would be the case. No Peyton Manning. Well, Dallas Clark. Are we <laughs> missing any obvious, like, celebrities? John Mellencamp. Letterman. Playing ah, the game, people. Top ten. <laughs> I don't know. And who will the dunk contest judges oh, be? All right, don't, don't those usually have a local flavor? I could totally see Letterman or somebody like that doing the dunk contest. Well, I mean, does Obi Toppin do the dunk contest? Well, I mean, yeah. But I, yes, I know obviously. what you. I know what you mean. But does he do the dunk contest? Uh, I would hope. The thing about Obi Toppin that I've been pretty impressed by, and I don't know, maybe it's because he hit a couple threes on Monday night, but I feel like he's shooting the three pretty well. You don't see dunkers shoot it as well as he does. Uh, yeah, Dunkers can't throw right. it in the ocean. Is, you're uh, like, just foul him. Is is Mac? Is it's Mac, right? Mac McClung. Yes. Is he? Uh-huh. He's is he invited? Boy, here's a throwback. Is he invited? Even though he's not in the NBA, like Craig he Hodges is. was for the three point contest. He, yeah, they yeah. the NBA announced that a couple weeks ago yeah. that he will be in the game. Man, Obi Toppin lately, forty percent from three on the year. Three of four, two of four, three of five. And he's a guy where I'm I'm like, don't bring him back to the starting lineup. Yeah, like he almost right seems now, to be doing better yeah, in this role. And right now he's balling. I did like how you gave a hat tip uh, to Jalen Smith. Is that a... Are you good with that? No, I'm, I'm saying is that going to be a mini segment? We need to get some some imaging? Sure. One of us wants to give a hat tip yeah. to somebody. A tip of the hat? Yeah, just a nice little yeah. golf hat tip here yeah. to Jalen Smith. Last year did not go well for him. <laughs> it did not. Do you remember at all when Jalen Smith danced at midcourt at Assembly Hall and IU fans oh, wanted yeah. to? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I probably shouldn't say well, what, I, what I was going to say. They were, but, not, yeah. they were not happy They were none too well, pleased. To get it, over it. it is a nice way to put it. Uh, all right, pop quiz coming up in a few. That will be, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, a pair of tickets to the Indy Golf Expo? Correct. And that's coming up next weekend over at the State Fairgrounds. January we'll 19th to the 21st. We will do that on the pop quiz. Before all of that, it was not a good night. If you didn't have Peacock, be grateful. Morning Checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
Yeah, let's start with IU. Losers last night, 66-57. Hoosiers fall now to 3-2 and two in the Big Ten, 11-5 and five overall. Really a mess. I mean, 26% from three, even worse from the free throw line, just 26.7%. Unbelievable. Four of 15 last night. You know, Indiana fans never happy about Mike Woodson's rotations. Now, here's the question from Rab Johns and the answer last night to that very subject from Mike Woodson. One of the biggest questions that fans were asking tonight on social media was why were four starters out at the same time versus sort of like maybe rolling them through? If I'm not going to sit here and and answer that question when it comes to the fans or you. I elected to go to my bench, which I've done this season, and I've gotten some good results here and there. <laughs> and tonight, they didn't kill us, but they let them back in the game. Oh. I thought we withstood it. Uh, it's like not, me. It's like me describing great. Rosie's behavior on a flight or something. Yeah, <laughs> not how was great. it? That wasn't great. It wasn't great. We're all alive though. We, yeah, we yeah. we survived. Landed. Didn't pull the hatch door. But, yeah. By the way, what do you guys make of that? They're like, oh yeah, we've been fighting some bolts in this particular what? plane. Let's just say that's I'm, scary. I'm glad I'm not hopping on a plane anytime <laughs> soon. Here. Yeah, not, not, no travel, air travel in the Dykton household for oh, a little bit. Goodness. You uh, you more disappointed by Indiana or Purdue last night? Uh, Purdue because I have standards for Purdue and right now my standards for IU are rather low. Isn't they that didn't a fair kill thing? us. Isn't that a fair assessment to have? And again, I know Purdue's going to be a one seed, uh, slow start in the Big Ten. They've lost some games here, but I don't know. I know we're going to get to their score. Did you see, and not great sound last night from, from the Purdue game, just it doesn't sound well. I think we can put it on the air. Matt Painter went on for about 40 seconds about how he's tired of having the court stormed against him. Well, I, And I agree with him, by the way. I do. Yeah, I thought the issue last night was he would have liked the Nebraska security to do a better job of getting his players off the floor. I, I'm totally good at the court storm. I mean, I, I would storm after every win. I wanted to storm after Notre Dame's win last night, frankly, even though it was on the road. But, and again, I, I don't, it sounds simpler than I know it is. Can we not just rope it up? Or hell, take a timeout with three seconds to go in the game and get the team off the floor. Well, that's what, okay, so when because I... Because Braden Smith was literally like on the right side of the court right. when triple zeros happen, and it's impossible to get him off the court. Like, if you are Nebraska security, and it doesn't happen every game, there's what two times a year you have to plan for this, right? Based off your home games, and get together and say, "All right, here's our 18 person security brigade. You get Gillis, you get you know Edie, you get this guy, and we usher them into the tunnel." If you want to have that moment, which I think, I mean, I hell, I stormed the court in college a couple of times. It's an awesome, fun moment. If you want that, if you want that scene. Uh, do a good job security-wise. It's too bad. It's too bad. Or else we can't have fun things. <laughs> I would have what? loved to have seen you storm, and then what? it's just that one time where the security guard, you see the videos of them you know, doing the blocks. Oh, that sure. Kevin yeah. Bowen's the mm-hmm. guy. Again. No, I was stiff-arming him. <laughs> what were the occasions that you court-stormed? They beat Minnesota. One, I mean, it was Kareem's first four years, so there weren't many moments. Obviously, the, the fourth year was the big year. Uh, but they beat Minnesota. I remember Roy Hibbert was courtside. Uh, Minnesota's good player was uh, Sampson's kid. Ralph Sampson. Remember him? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Remember Colton sure. Iverson? Sure, yeah. Wow, I'm trying to think Minnesota. who Minnesota's coach would have even been. Richard Patino. Boy, it was probably whoever was before him. It was probably right before Richard. Yeah, I, I can't remember. 18 turnovers, 15 offensive rebounds, 4 of 15 from the foul line. Those are real numbers Ugh. for Indiana last night. For Purdue, it was a high turnover night for them as well. And I think Tomanaga just hit another three. 
against Purdue. 13-0 run really to end the first half was a huge sequence. Purdue made some runs in the second half, but just could not get over the hump. 88-72 losers in Lincoln. Yeah, you, again, you look at you look at Purdue. You look at Purdue last night. See, I, I was just going to give an update quickly. Minnesota in Indiana are that's Friday night, so you're going to get to see Minnesota. It falls in the can't lose category. Yeah, it really does. And then Purdue, we're already making plans for next Tuesday. Uh, Purdue, obviously, and Indiana coming up on Tuesday. We've done all the Pacers stuff today. Tyrese Halliburton, the Grade One left hammy. We'll see how long that's going to take. And just two quick things: Eric Spolster, eight years, 120 mil there to stay with the Miami Heat. And we talked about this last hour. Mike Vrabel dumped there with the Titans. Hard to believe the Titans get as good of a coach uh, as Mike Vrabel. And then on the flip side, I kind of feel like he'll get a job and it's probably going to be better than the Tennessee job. More sought after. Harbaugh or Vrabel? Harbaugh. Don't you feel that Mm way? I feel that way. Who would you rather have? Because offensive mind more. Because... He wins everywhere he goes. Yeah, I mean, he does. Don't you feel? Yeah. I, feel I feel like if you get Harbaugh, and I know he's a pain in the ass at times, but if you get six, seven years, maybe even five years, five to seven years with Harbaugh, like you're going to be in the playoffs three, four of those years, and there's probably going to be an AFC or an NFC championship game run or two, perhaps a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're the Chargers and you say, here, here's a five-year deal that Justin Herbert will be playing in the postseason four out of those five years. Don't you feel that way with our ball? Because I do. Alex yeah. Golden has chimed in oh, on who boy. the Minnesota coach was. Who was it? Great call. Who Great was call. it? I think at one point here in the last couple of years, he was the oldest active coach in college basketball. Tubby Smith. Tubby! Remember Tubby was Didn't it t- he go coach somewhere like in the Carolinas? Am I imagining He things? went to High Point. Wasn't it High Point? High Point. The only reason I know that Notre is... Notre Dame can beat High Point. They can't beat Citadel, <laughs> but they can beat High Point. The only reason I think it's, the court. it's High Point is Kentucky played them. That's when they honored Tubby Smith. Speaking of, that's what Calipari used to do because they get the, st- the court store on them, much like Purdue does in the Big Ten. Did he call a timeout with two seconds to go? And his entire team would leave the floor except for the five uh, guys at the end of the bench. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> didn't Purdue do that against um, Northwestern? Earlier this Did year, they? I yeah. think Chris or, Collins kind of, you know, yeah. agreed. And, well, I, I'm I'm good for it. I mean, hell, it gets the students even more riled up as they wait there to storm Butler. By the way, tonight at Marquette, nine o'clock, ten and a half point underdog for the Bulldogs. Again, at some point this year, you're gonna have to steal one of these Marquette UConn type games to really, really fortify uh, their chances to try and make the NCAA tournament. I don't know who was in the. Side studio behind us. He's gone now, but he, oh, there he comes. He's wearing a Notre Dame hat, and it's like the, oh the ghost of Kevin Bowen future. Looks like Coach Beard, kind of from Ted Lasso. Are you lying to me? No, he's got a Notre Dame hat. <laughs> it looks orange to me. Am I seeing it's things? A re- it's like an orangish red Notre Dame. Is he calling Dame in the no plays? Idea. Is he a Take walk-on a quarterback calling what? in the plays? Have to go talk to him during the break. I'm gonna behave. I'm not losing my mind. I'm looking right no, at it. No, no, you're right. It's a, it's, it's a red Notre Dame hat. I've never seen a red Notre Dame. If it was I Notre Dame basketball, I would go in there and chat with them. Oh, you take your shirt off and talk to them. Pop who, quiz. Who they beat? By the way, who did they beat last night? Georgia Tech in oh, overtime. Georgia Tech. Oh. Come on now, Damon Stoudemire. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not the fighting Josh Pastner as who took over. It's Damon Stoudemire. Okay, Pastner was Mighty on Mouse. the. Uh, he was on the pregame coverage for Indiana and. Pastor's good at TV, which is not surprising. Little Shrewsbury was raining threes last night for the What for him? What does Maddie get more annoyed with? 
you watching Notre Dame basketball <laughs> or are you watching golf with Tiger playing? Yeah. What's what's her bigger Last pet night about 11.05, Notre Dame's up three with like 10 seconds to go. It's a timeout. The announcer's like, yeah, Notre Dame going for their first road win in over a year. And Maddie has an audible gasp. They haven't won a road game in a year? Like, no, like, honey. Have you not followed yeah. my despair? Have you seen my mood over the last 12 months here? But in overtime... Congratulations. The, the question's not Notre Dame basketball or golf with Tiger. Golf with Tiger's fine. It's golf without Tiger. That That's what it'd be. Well, Charlie's you, coming up yeah, soon. If, if you want to stomach watching golf without Tiger Woods. That is fair. That is fair to say the least. Pop quiz time. 317-239-1070. Speaking of golf, a pair of tickets to the Golf Expo. We're giving away in the pop quiz. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Just give us a ring. All right, so we have prizes to give away. That's the good thing for the pop quiz. The bad thing is, and I forget the gentleman's name, he knew you. You guys talked some golf oh, Tim. yesterday. Tim, yeah. that's it. Uh-huh. Tim was a machine. He was incredible. One of the yesterday. finest pop quiz performances you'll ever see. <laughs> Clear, <laughs> concise, and correct. So you never you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. So unfortunately, whoever the caller is today is kind of following the guy yeah, after Tim's performance is, yesterday. Yeah, this is following yeah. Dean Smith, following really Coach is. K, Nick Saban, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm looking at it, though. The answers seem... Tame. Scotty, did you really put a Notre Dame basketball question on here? He did. That makes that was me. a big win last night. That makes me really happy. I think Kevin absolutely has to ask that question. Well, he now. is, yeah. That makes Plus me so number happy. Two. Scotty knows what he's doing. I'm smiling he knows ear to ear doing. about the Irish. They had some chances. They almost beat Duke. They almost beat NC State last week. Yeah, who's the team they Better. spit the bid? It was NC State where they NC led. NC State, right? They That's really the one that hurts. peed down their leg. See, yeah, Shrewsbury's got the boys going. He knows that, what he's doing. That was bad. That was Max Bone the other day, just naked for too long, and he looks at me and just starts peeing. And what? I mean, I, I deserved it. I deserved it. What? Didn't get the diaper on quick enough. Oh, he man. said, Dad, uh, yeah, be better. Okay, so knock on wood, and I will say this, that has not happened to me yet. Oh, it's going to. I'm just saying, in four, well, in this four was months, better it hasn't happened to me yet. The the changing table sprayer, that thing can go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the real weapon. <laughs> Luckily, this was one where he was standing on, and it was a hardwood floor, oh, so we, we no. you know, it was easy to clean. <laughs> I mean, you could get you could get changing table onto carpet, onto the wall, on. I mean, you don't want to warp the wood though into your face. The <laughs> wood. I mean, you got to clean it up. Warp the wood. Paper towel it up. <laughs> How'd that happen? Well, let me I'll, spin you a yard. been around since the 1920s. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Five for five yesterday in the pop quiz. Who do we got? What's our number? Oh, goodness. Pick Andy, one. give us uh, one. Let's go three. Caller number three. JJ. JJ, good morning, man. How are you? Hey, good morning, fellas. How you living? Good. JJ, how are you living? Not bad. Ball State. Fly the W. Let's go Cubs. Talk to us. <laughs> Ball State. Chirp, chirp. What's Michael Lewis doing in the start of conference play? Eh, well, they lost a big one. Yeah, was that last night? Yeah, he's, he's still he's still doing pretty good though. You say let's go he's Cubs too. I like that. Yeah, he said fly the W. Yeah, I just ignored that part. Yeah. 
Ball State uh, signing seven on the year as I'm as I'm looking at it. Oh man, they've lost a bunch in a row. Yeah, close ones. Yeah, they have lost close ones. Yeah, five in a row, starting with Indiana State. Yeah, it seems like uh, you know the other team that's been doing pretty well in the state this year is uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. They could be a favorite to win the Horizon League. So we could be looking yeah, at. I think Joey Brackets is he's had them in has uh, as as an in at large, obviously trying to project what's going to happen in March. Yeah, I want to say he had him in as a fourteen or fifteen seed. JJ, your favorite Cub of all time? Oh, Rhino! Oh yeah, I knew he was going to say a good that. one. I knew he was. It was between Rhino and the Hawk. So, Mark Dyke is ready to jump out of his seat right now at (laughs) Mm -hmm. this. I can't wait for the Notre Dame basketball question. Andy, go ahead and throw number one. All right, let's go. Let's get a winner here, JJ, on this Wednesday. No Cubs related questions. No no baseball. baseball. Uh, Question number one The Pacers host the Wizards tonight. Now, the Pacers lead the regular season series 106 to 87. Who leads between the Pacers and the Wizards? In the postseason, I would go with the Pacers. I remember that series, Scotty. Marcin Gortat for the Wiz. That little John Wall, Bradley yeah. Beal backcourt, maybe. 2014. Uh, number two here, JJ, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. They win last night. That was their first true. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if I love this question. It shows just the <laughs> awful utility <laughs> nope, they started had. it. You got to finish it. Ah, <laughs> uh, they won their first true road game in 23 months oh. as they took down Georgia Tech in overtime in the hostile environment. There, uh, they play in one of those NBA looking arenas in Atlanta. Who was the last team the Irish? beat on the road in February 2022. Was it Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, Miami, or Clemson? February 22 on the road. Yeah, on the road, no word about a black eye for their football coach or anything. (laughs) Clemson. (laughs) Question, Question number three. Purdue lost last night. They fall. They fell to Nebraska. They're now fourteen and two on the season. The Boilermakers are just the second team in the history of the AP Men's College Basketball Poll to lose multiple games to unranked opponents while being ranked number one in back-to-back seasons. Who was the other? Was it Georgetown, North Carolina, Virginia, or Kentucky? Kentucky and go Boilers too. I see this Jim Harbaugh had his team sing Jolly Good Fellow in the locker room after the win on Monday. <laughs> what am I missing? Well, what who, do you say? Who for, was it towards? I, I, who knows? Who just won this was it to himself? Tom Crean. Yeah. Uh, what do you say for number three? Uh, what, did, what did you say? Kentucky. He said Kentucky. All yes. right, number four here, JJ. And this day in 86, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored the 34,000th point of his career in a win over the Pacers. Kareem retired as the NBA's all-time leading scorer with 38,387 career points, a mark broken by LeBron last season. Name the only other player in NBA history to score 34,000 points in his career. Kobe, Dirk, Karl Malone, or MJ? Karl Malone. The mailman. Sneaky one, but not past JJ. Come alone. One year ago tonight, Jimmy Butler went 23 for 23 from the free throw line as the Miami Heat edged the Thunder. Butler's performance from the line tied him for the second most free throws made without a miss in an NBA game. Who holds the record for most free throw makes without a miss 
in an NBA game? James, I'm going to take a guess before you give me options. All right. I believe it was Adrian Dantley. That's not correct. But I respect that effort. That was a hell of an effort there by Jacob. I like what you did there. Uh, James Harden, Dominique Williams, Darren Williams, Kevin Durant. James Harden. Man, I tell you, that's another good. JJ did pretty good too, man. I just I hear the free throw question, Scotty, and I just think back to Indiana's four of fifteen from the foul line last night. <laughs> yeah, where's the IU futility question? I believe they had four air balls from three. I remember two. In fact, well, one of the threes was CJ Gunn in and the Baco final second. For it didn't sure, matter. Galloway for sure. Galloway had a sequence yeah. there where he airballed the three and then clanked two free right. throws those are, right those, after those that. Those are the two that that I remember. The same two you're thinking of. And boy, Xavier Johnson, you get arrested for doing that in a lot of states. <laughs> he did the. He did the. He did the, the Brad Davis. He did the grab and he did, pull. He did the Grayson Allen. He did the Dylan Brooks. <laughs> uh, great effort by JJ in the pop quiz. I see number one. He got right. That is correct. Yeah, Pacers lead the all-time series with the Wizards 4-2. The only time they played in the postseason, the 2014 Eastern Conference semis. Black eye for Dabo. JJ was all over Let's that. Go! Clemson on that answer. Carl Malone. That's a sneaky one. Scotty throws on occasion on the pop quiz. Yeah! He was all over that. And boy, uh, Adrian Dantley turned into James Harden. At least uh, yeah. he got it right. Uh, correct, though. Yeah, the only one he missed was question number three. Uh, Purdue has lost now back-to-back years to an unranked opponent as the top team in the country. Who is the other team to do it? You have to go back to North Carolina in 1985 and then again in 1986. He said Kentucky. I probably would have picked Kentucky as well. They didn't kill us. (laughs) Everyone's so mad at Mike Woodson. That was unbelievable. Are we uh, poor Woody? Is this a dumb comment? Are we nearing googling Mike Woodson's buyout? Uh, I think if they miss the tournament and there is a fizzling down the stretch, which could happen. I mean, they're one. I mean, good God, if Khalil Ware misses a week or two. I mean, it's seventeen rebounds last night. IU fans just scrubbed the search history of Tom Allen's buyout. Now they got to look up Mike Woodson's. <laughs> Well, they, I mean, they're not paying like, Archie because wasn't Archie's paid off by a booster? Didn't they say that? Or then once you take the job at Rhode Island, does that offset it? Uh, probably. I so they're know. probably done paying him off. I, I can't believe that. I mean, again, I don't think we're legitimately asking that, but I can't believe that thought has even crept into my mind. Mike Woodson, in my opinion, gets at least like what if you say, well, he gets four years, he gets five years. To me, you add another year on to that because you're doing business with one of your own, you're doing business with family. Whether you like it or not, oh, that's man. my belief. I don't know. I, I know. That's just what I I don't feel. love the sound of that because he's boys with Quinn Buckner. He gets special treatment like that. I, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Results. I mean, he did get the job. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but is Dusty May the guy? Is Ford Atlantic having a good year? Haven't know. they lost to a bunch of bad I teams? I mean, are they a one-hit wonder? I don't know. Uh, there's... I mean, Andy, I know Louisville fans think Dusty May may go to them what, as yeah, who's well. Who's Louisville getting? I have no idea. Well, they think they're going to get Jay Wright, and they're not. They're going to have to settle for someone more Jay like... Jay Wright? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they think uh, Jay Wright, uh, who's the other one? Mick Cronin, who's having a terrible year. But Mick Cronin has a lot of local connections there. He was at Cincinnati. Uh, he, well, he was at Cincinnati. So in the general area. He, he was well. He was a Patino guy. He was oh, an assistant really? I didn't there. That. Other Patino and let's he's, bring Patino back. And he's a big uh, horse racing guy. He likes to gamble on horses. So <laughs> there that, you go. That's, that's the rationale. No more. Oh yeah, yeah. get Bob Baffert then. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. 
Uh, yeah, is I Baffert have, back or is he banned? I have uh, my here's my Bob, my Bob Baffert story. I was standing in line to get into the Kentucky Derby, and Bob Baffert. I mean, he looks like Bob Baffert. I say that you know what no, he he's looks an like. icon. Well, yeah, but you also there's not there's not a second person that looks like him. So we're standing right behind, uh, right right in front of Bob Baffert. And the thing about the Derby is you have people who are loaded rich, and then you have the guy who's wearing sweatpants who might have three teeth and doesn't take care of those three teeth that he does have. Um, and that and the guy, you know, the homeless guy with three teeth, looks and goes, "That's Bob Baffert. That's MF and Bob Baffert right there." And everyone turns and looks at Bob Baffert I'm like, "Yeah, it is." And then he went on and probably won the Kentucky Derby. We horse racing needs <laughs> Baffert. We need the villain. Uh, I think the Colts just kind of like semi tagged us in a tweet. Yeah. Well, We'll Shout explain out. more to close out the... All right, been a fun show today. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. You miss any of any of the programming, including our show here, The Wake Up Call, 1075thefan.com. Download the app. Take us wherever you may go. Query and company coming your way at noon, JMV at 3. And then a reminder, tonight, 6.30 pregame uh, right here on The Fan. Pacers and Wizards. Before that, uh, before the streak really begins there on the road, the teams get a lot more difficult. Need to get this win uh, and feel good about yourselves before you go. Go out west, plus Washington beat you a couple weeks ago. Now, you teased before the break, Kevin, Kevin Bowen, that the Colts may have tagged us in something as a show here. So uh, what is it? I have not seen this. Give it yeah, to Yeah, so yeah. yesterday we had Rick Carlisle on the show, of course, as we do every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. You can find those up on our podcast page. And uh, all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, I believe you let off with something Tyrese Halliburton related, and... Rick's like, you know what? I want to talk about the Colts for a few minutes. I go, okay, <laughs> have at it. Next thing you know, he's offering a high praise for Shane Steichen. I believe you've read a Jonathan Taylor quote from the postgame locker room on Sunday as well. Uh, and Rick certainly handed out a whole lot of uh, praise toward Shane Steichen, the Colts, oh, okay, yeah. and the job done. So, yes, the Colts tweeted out that quote. And again, for those that missed it, the Rick Carlisle quote on Shane Steichen. Uh, I thought Shane Steigen did one of the most brilliant jobs any rookie coach has ever done in any sport. That is Rick Carlisle. So the Colts tweeted out that quote with a Shane graphic and said, high praise from Coach Carlisle via at 107.5 The Fan. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of, of the year, um, you know, the, the the Colts were playing pretty well. And, you know, I think we asked him about, you know, Shane Steichen, and he gave a great answer. We didn't stay on that too much because, no, you know, I the actually, new season and yeah. everything else. I, I thought he brought that up organically himself as well yeah, he earlier might in the year. They said, that, you know, basically that, um, you know, last spring he had met Shane before a Pacer game. Uh, Shane brought the new Colts coaching staff over to a Pacer game one night and you know, got a suite and everything. And uh, he chatted with Rick Carlisle prior. Um, so, yes, that is uh, nice. Thank you for the Colts for tagging us in that. And uh, Mark will send out the link, and we will retweet that audio in case you missed it from yesterday. No, it was great. Uh, we did lead with, hey, so what about Tyrese Halliburton? He goes, you know what? Before we get to that, he'll have an MRI. Let's talk about Shane Steichen. He talked for like a minute and a half. He had the he had the Jonathan, what, the Jonathan Taylor quote, was it, uh, was out there. It was ready to go. I mean, I guess it's good. The Colts and Pacers have, you know, the head coaches that are going to complement each other and going to be nice to each other. I know some in some markets, the NBA team and the NFL team can fight a little bit. They're fighting over the same entertainment dollars, if Maybe you the will. Sales but, department's uh, <laughs> having more of a fight than yeah, that might be Carlisle the, and that, Steichen that might fighting be there. The truth, but uh, I think both franchises are in pretty good hands with their head coaches. I will say that. Boy, you really want to get this one tonight. You know, when you look at the next uh, seven for the Pacers, if you map out again the approximate 
reevaluation two week window of Tyrese Halliburton, this would fall in the. I mean, hell, there's a reason why you're favored by a touchdown, even without Tyrese Halliburton in this one. The Wizards stink. They're six and twenty. They did beat you for what it's worth a few weeks back on a Friday night. Halliburton played in that game and then did not play the next night when they were in Minnesota. So uh, that'll be something. Uh, certainly to watch for IndyCar Media Day going on right now. So if any news items happen with that, I know Trackside was last night on these airwaves. We can uh, share that upcoming tomorrow. And again, Butler Marquette, that is a late one, a 9 o'clock tip for the Bulldogs. They are a big underdog, 10.5 in that one. The, uh, the story is going to be, is Shaka Smart going to be able to stay on the floor? What was it, a couple, or off the floor? A couple games ago, he was in the defensive. Oh, he did the Tom Green. He, he, he was, was halfway in, out there. He was yeah. in the defensive stat, in like, or uh, stance, and like literally he was half court all the way to the baseline. Have you not seen this video? I He's s- on the court. It's very Tom Crean-ish. I saw the headline. That, yeah, the Crean one, there was one game at Penn State where Crean was literally guarding Tim Frazier. He was face guarding <laughs> Tim Frazier. Someone had to play defense in the Korean era. It was going to sure. be somebody. It might as well be him. Sure. But yeah, Shaka Smart was, it was too much. I think our friend Mike DeCourcy, it might not have been him, but I know he was tweeting about it. Pretty much like, hey coaches, stay off the stay off the damn floor if you're going to do that. But you're right, it's a big one. If not, be what, four straight losses in the Big East by Butler. And they had that Providence game one, and they had such a great shot the other night yeah, there. You in Hinkle. You know, yeah, up, up seven and a half. You get them without Klingon, uh, Donovan Klingon in your own building there. That would have been big. And I think at some point here this season, and the Big East does offer it. Honestly, you can make the argument the Big East might offer a little bit more than the Big Ten of chances to really build the resume with a nice win. Um, you've got a chance of that here upcoming. Again, tomorrow, Anthony Richardson and Chris Ballard will both meet the media for the final time here in the 2023 season. I think the Colts will stream both of those live. Uh, I want to say Richardson's around 11 and Ballard is at 12.30, so certainly uh, a lot for us to recap on the Ballard front coming up on Friday. Andy, this is the first time Ballard has met the media, and this is typical for NFL GMs, um, since the... Did he do one at the end of the preseason, or did he do one just at the start of training camp? He definitely didn't do no, anything he, in no, he, season. He did. A, he did another one, yeah. He, he's he's, he's Nothing done one. in season. That was just with, just with the Colts. Uh, it'll be the first time he's met the media since it's either late August or late July. Um, no, it was it was late August because I was here. Okay, so yeah, yeah so yeah, that it, would have been that would still you know pre. I mean, honestly, we haven't had a chance to ask him about Jonathan Taylor's contract. I was in my bachelor pad on Mass Avenue. That's right, because <laughs> yeah, we got that, that, that was the drama of the why aren't you going to extend Taylor? And he, he said, said we won four, four games. Yeah, 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 we yeah, won yeah, four yeah. games. Yeah. What do you yeah. want me to do? Four games. Four games. Right. Yeah. Right. So again, first time we've heard from him. In quite some time, and really after tomorrow, uh, probably nothing until the combine, unless you know you do make a change from a coaching staff standpoint. Even then, maybe not. So uh, this is when you really get into quiet times for the Colts from a media standpoint. But Ballard's interesting because I feel like if they would have made the playoffs, I, I don't know. Don't you feel like he could have said, "Look at me now"? Almost like there would have been a he. He would have been the big guy in the room. He could have said, "Hey guys, I got it right, and you got it wrong," but they. Don't make the playoffs, and that's a big distinction. And yeah, the Gus for, Bradley stuff is kind of his fault as well. For his resume, he really, really needed that. Yeah, I mean, the resume is what it is. Zero division titles and two playoff appearances and one playoff win seven years into it. So, um, yeah, and I think I can say that and also say, obviously, they still are now going down the right path, which, again, in past Januarys have not said that. Everybody have a great, great Wednesday. Again, Pacers-Wizards tonight. We'll recap it all tomorrow.